Okay, hello again, everybody. What's up? So uh, we got an exciting new episode for you guys. So uh, I was deciding, you know, we could maybe do a flashback to a time that was a little bit better yeah. when there weren't yeah. mass, massive fires and there wasn't a pandemic and we could all kind of live. <laughs> it <laughs> seems like so long ago. Yeah, yeah. What happened? Where we were all in theaters watching movies, yeah. uh, watching, you know, Avengers Endgame and stuff like that. Uh that's that not movie came out last year? <laughs> that movie came out last year. <laughs> it's wild, oh, man. Oh, what a year it has been. Um, Dude, let me tell you, the first movie I saw in theaters in 2019 was Glass. Oh, Does yeah. Glass yeah. not seem like a movie that came out three years ago at this point? Glass feels like a movie that came out in the year 2000 or something. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it just feels yeah. like that it's... Granted, we're nine months into 2020, so to do a retrospective now is just like, hey, you know what? You're you're along for the ride. Why not? Let's yeah. do it. But uh, but uh, yeah, it it feels to me like 2019 was just like eight years ago or something. Forever ago. Yeah. Yeah. But but we're gonna talk about our top 10 films of 2019, which is pretty exciting. Um, 2019 was definitely one of my favorite years of film of all time. I'd say mm-hmm. the only one that comes close. I think 2006 and seven uh, mm-hmm. were very good to me too. I felt like. But this was a really good year, very deep year, a lot of interesting stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, um, like, all of the distribution channels were firing on all cylinders, right? The the the, the apocalypse hadn't happened yet, so we had <laughs> so many good indie films coming out and get, like, promoted as, as well as they should have, go to theaters. We had a couple Netflix movies come out in theaters. It was really cool. Yeah, it was it was really a great year. Um, and, you know, again, if there was Avengers Endgame, which is the highest grossing film of all time. There was a ton of other, like you said, indie films, Netflix, Hulu, all these streaming sites have been kicking on all cylinders. Adam Driver had like three or four movies back to back. He's just killing it. Yeah, I don't even know if they I mean, there are some that don't even make my list, but he had some good performances in like, uh, was it the report? That was, the report, that was a yeah. solid film. Yeah. Didn't make my list, but definitely worth watching. Yeah, um, same. Didn't make my list, but pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's just like a film that just kind of gets lost right in the shuffle of, of what happened in this year. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah, why don't you lead us off? So what's your, what's your number 10 Lucian? Oh, you can't do this to me, man. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the little preamble real quick. My list was, I just feel like there were a lot of movies that I, if I would have seen them in 2019, they would have made my list. Like there's a lot of movies that I just get this feeling that they kind of slipped through my fingers a little bit. But from what I did see, uh, I'm ranking these a not on quality at all. Uh, I'm ranking them on like kind of my knee gut reaction, my like experience, either watching it in the theaters or whoever I was watching with, like just my raw, like emotional experience is is what I'm ranking these on. So I have been flip flopping number 10 between uncut gems and Joker. I just couldn't quite decide. (laughs) And unfortunately, I think, unfortunately, Joker just gets the edge at number 10. Uh, Um, It was going to be one or the other. Uh, And the reason for that is pretty simple is that, I, I'm, I, I'm a, you know, I, I like what I like, and what I like is Martin Scorsese. And so, because Joker did such a phenomenal job at like aping a lot of Scorsese and just copying that like 70s sensibility kind of like note for note, um, I, I was really impressed by that. The movie itself is not one of my favorite movies of all time. And you can talk shit about Joker, I don't really care. Um, but I do think it is exceptionally well made for like what it was going for, which is good. Like, like you can kind of tell there was a creator's intent going on there and which was, you know, make a Martin Scorsese movie, but with a DC character. And I think they did a good job. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, again, Uncut Gems is is my one honorable mention, I would guess, because that that is truly like original, I think, compared to a lot of these other movies. But I'm gonna give it to Joker just because I like uh, I like Scorsese a lot. <laughs> Cool. You know what's funny? That Joker's my number ten too. Actually, is it really? <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, yeah. Let's discuss. <laughs> yeah. So I I really liked it too. I thought the I thought the writing was pretty good actually. Um, mm-hmm. I think they did a good job of like sort of you know they're they're doing this retelling in a way that you know it's also sort of relevant for our time, right? Like they're talking about all the stuff, all the stuff that was happening in New York. Well, it was a, it was, was you know, pushed well, that Gotham, way, right? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. With all the controversies um, and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's what it felt like to me, at least. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was a real thing. I think there were real people that, you know, it makes sense. I mean, look, there was at the Dark Knight Rises, a guy shot up a theater. Right. And that that movie had nothing to do with anything. It was just some crazy guy. Mm -hmm. But this like there was a real swell of people who were like, yeah, I really connect with this guy. And they, you know, there's there's definitely an element out there of people that are very sort of socially isolated and yeah. they're on the internet way too much and they're on these weird sites. And, you know, yeah. I can definitely understand why people would be nervous about the release of the film. And oh, maybe, absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe uh, worried about something happening. Of course, nothing happened, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do feel like that kind of like pushed it out there a bit. And they're like, oh, this this movie is kind of scary. Like, right. you never know. And, you know, I, I, I saw like a lot of people, they talked about reviewing the film or going to the film like they there's this big thing where people tried to go in like a joker makeup and then they got banned and that caused more right yeah <laughs> controversy. About that. yeah yeah which make again that makes sense i don't i don't want you shut like first off if you do that you're kind of crazy <laughs> yes i don't want and second off if you then go and even if you just like did something stupid right if you like I don't know, like pissed on of someone's seat and ran away laughing. I can't yeah. identify you. It just puts something in the air, yeah. right? That just makes makes yes. it more uncomfortable than it should be. Yes. Yeah. Which which is sort of the point of the film, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that he starts this movement. He doesn't know that he's doing it, but mm-hmm. he starts this movement that's this sort of uh rising up against the elite sort of movement who's, you know, the elite being Thomas Wayne. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. The, the, the whole protesting Thomas Wayne uh, aspect of the film is probably the most prescient. I mean, granted we're in 2020 now, so we can say that because we can look back, but like, I think, yeah, I think it did. I think it's, it's interesting that a studio like Warner brothers would like really stick behind this movie. Granted, I think they knew they were going to make a lot of money, but you know, it's an R rated movie based on a comic book property and they're not, I feel like studios still aren't, now they are, but at the time, like Deadpool was a hit, but they weren't really comfortable with gritty R-rated stuff, and they kind of they let a big budget movie come out that was character driven, not plot driven, you know, and and was you know edgy and R-rated and stuff. So I I think it's cool that the studio stood behind it. Um, it, it's just it, it gives me hope that we're gonna see more. You know, if all we're gonna get is just like '70s movies again, then I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Joker is definitely a, a big turn. I mean, that's that's sort of the turn that DC is making. They're going to make more films like Joker where mm-hmm. they 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 have a property and they connect an artist and they put them together right. and they just go with it. I mean, it's, that's that's what they did with uh, with the Suicide Squad with James Gunn. They mm-hmm. told him he could do anything. He could have done a Batman movie. He could have done a Superman movie. He could have done a Justice League movie. He could have done anything. 
Mm-hmm. He wanted to do Suicide Squad because, you know, he's James Gunn. <laughs> it's just kind of up his alley, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's James Gunn. Uh, but that's that's their model now is they have, you know, and they, again, they probably are going to try and do the, like, the big Marvel-style blockbuster connected universe stuff. But they want to do stuff like Joker where you get a great actor, Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. who won an Oscar. You get a great director. And especially like a director who's either like someone that they kind of need to save or someone who has artistic integrity, but maybe they've had a falling out Mm -hmm. Uh, or one of their staple of guys. Right. You know, like like the Nolans or the Denis Villeneuve's uh, or Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips is like one of their guys. He's yeah. He's been there for like almost what 15 years, 20 years. Yeah. 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 The Hangover films were Warner Brothers distributed right yeah yeah absolutely yeah i think going uh, all the way back to like starsky and hutch <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah. yeah he's been he's been their guy for a while and so it was just like here's our director he's gonna get this actor for us and boom we're just gonna let you guys do what you want and yeah it's, it's r-rated it's a pretty you know i mean at times it's a hard r i mean there's some scenes where he starts killing people that are yeah. pretty great scenes. Best scenes in the whole movie. I, I is, love that. I love that weird. scene on yeah on the on the um on the train when he's just I'm like kill him man kill these motherfuckers. Yeah right. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's like in a weird way like that satisfies our bloodlust as an audience, but it also makes us complicit with Joker. It's just like we are psychopaths too. I like yeah that. yeah we're part of the mob right like yeah, we're yeah. we're just like yes kill this guy exactly. Um, but yeah and and again he won an Oscar. I thought it was a really good performance. And yeah, this is a very different kind of Joker. You know, there's sure. there haven't been very many tellings of his origin. And I think at this point, um, the general yeah, I'm consensus glad they didn't do the vat of acid because that would have been stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, in this it, type, you know, in oh, this, in this, no, it wouldn't, would, work. it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't work. I mean, all at this point, I think the 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 general consensus is that the Joker is an entity that just happened spontaneously he has mm. no origin he has yeah. it's not like he was a guy and then he just showed up people have theories but there is no answer there's no one answer he just batman showed up then he showed up and then they just wreak havoc on the city it's together. almost like light and darkness whoa yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so yeah i think we both liked it uh i i i had i had it higher on my list at different times Mm-hmm. Um, but some other films kind of moved moved around. I think, yeah, I don't think it's like amazing, but I think it was very good, and I it makes sense that it was so successful. Really, uh, same, yeah. I think uh, I honestly, it wasn't even. So what I did basically is I just wrote down uh, a couple of the movies that stood out to me when I was looking up um, like what came out last year. I saw Joker twice in theaters, you know, so that's got to stand for something. Uh, and so I think everything we just talked about with the whole kind of cultural moment that it got caught up in, I think it deserves uh, to, to make it into the top 10, even at the, you know, at the bottom end of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's our number 10. So what's, uh, what's your number nine, Lucian? My number nine is a, another Warner Brothers picture, a uh, little, little, little Warner Brothers picture, but a Warner Brothers picture that got wide release nonetheless, Motherless Brooklyn, uh, Edward Norton's directorial uh I guess his latest effort. Uh, he's directed a couple of movies in the past, but this one was like a real passion project for him, and you can really tell. Um, it's so it's basic. It's based on a book called Motherless Brooklyn that was set in when it was wrote. I don't remember if it was written in the '90s or something. But he's been wanting to make this movie for 20 years. Uh, he's wow. been wanting to make this movie. I think right after American History X, I believe uh, he was trying to make this movie, and of course nobody would make it. Uh, and what he did with it is that uh, he turned it 
into a period piece. So he made it take place in the 40s or 50s. I don't remember, like thereabouts, basically. Uh, it's it's a story about, you know, big uh, kind of the, the city government and the corruption that goes on in there. It's basically Chinatown. He Because he made it a period piece, he can't avoid the uh, comparisons, right? So he turned it into Chinatown. But uh, he plays this... Uh, he does a great Edward Norton, like classic staple performance in that he's playing a guy that has uh, Tourette's, I believe. Yeah, Either I think way, it's Tourette's. Yeah, it's Edward Norton with some kind of mental illness, right? So right off the bat, like where it, it's one of those classic performances. Uh, and you can just tell, like he's got a, a, a lot of the actors, he said, worked for like basically nothing. They did it as a favor to him. He got Willem Dafoe in there, Bruce Willis, Alec Baldwin. I mean, really, this cast is insane. Um Bobby Cannavale is in this, and he's terrific. And, uh, yeah, so he's basically – I'm just going to – I'm not going to give too much away, but it's, it's a film noir set in the 40s uh, based on this book. Uh, basically, this guy is, you know has Tourette's. He's super – he's an outcast. He works for a detective agency. And then his, hand, his, uh, his boss, basically, his father figure, Bruce Willis, gets killed in the very beginning of the movie. And then the rest is him kind of uncovering the plot of, like, what led up to that murder – and of course, it goes all the way to the city government and the planning of this and that and the it's Chinatown. But uh, <laughs> it was I think it was really it's not the best movie ever made. Like, I, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone for like to watch it for fun or anything. It's kind of slow, but it's deliberately slow because, again, he was trying to make like a 40s period piece. Everybody, the way that he directed everybody was in that mode. He was just like, you know, ham it up, ham it up, ham it up, like pretend like, you know. Like this is actually like a Howard Hawks movie or something. So uh, he directed everybody that way. I think, again, the talent he brought to it was amazing. The music, I believe it was nominated for an Academy Award or a Golden Globe or one of those things. The music in this movie is the best music I've heard all year, uh, mm. bar none. The best score in any film. Uh, I forget the, the the composer's name, but yeah. Uh, I, don't, I like film noir. I like detective movies. I like kind of man in a room type things you know a depressed individual that is like trying to solve things that are bigger than him uh and i love edward norton so modelist brooklyn made it to my number nine very cool yeah i, I watched that film too it's it's a solid film it is long um but mm -hmm. yeah there's some good performances and you know the whole thing kind of yeah it's like it's like a it's like a longer version of uh, chinatown yeah. New York. Yeah, it's not great. Like, again, it's, I, I wouldn't give it like a 10 out of 10. Tell everybody you have to go see this movie. But for the mood that it's set, I really liked it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. OK, so my number nine is uh, Ryan Johnson's uh, Knives Out. That was one of the uh, ones. I was just like, I didn't see that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Knives Out's a great film. Um, I, I I got a chance to see it and uh, I saw it like they had an early preview, which was really fun. Mm -hmm. Um. And yeah, they did this like really interesting thing where like, um, so they gave everyone this random like card or something. And then one person was like, the killer was supposed to be the thing. Oh, that's and if cool. if you were the killer, you got this special prize or something. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it was very cool. It was a very smart thing to do. Very smart marketing ploy. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, this film was like very, very interesting. It was a, it, it was a very different new take on like the murder mystery film. Right. Um, because what he does with it is he kind of like he kind of gives you the he gives the game like a, pretty much up front oh, and he okay. tells yeah he tells you like okay this is this is kind of what happened but there's still a mystery because you sense that there there's a there's still a plot and then you don't know where the plot is coming from 
Mm. And that becomes the actual mystery. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's interwoven all this other social commentary stuff. Um, mm. I will try and give away too much of the film, uh, but that's the general gist of it. But yeah, it's really, really well written. I mean, he's when he really like puts himself to writing something, uh, he's a great writer and he's he's very good at taking a genre and then finding a new way to interact with the genre. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, True. you know, that, that pisses people off. I mean, he did that with Star Wars and people wanted to kill him. Right? Oh, it, it pisses me off every single time. Every single Ryan Johnson film pisses me off. I, I, oh, I, Looper, I hate it. Pissed you off? Yes, I hate Looper. I hate Brick. I hate Brothers Bloom, whatever the Brothers Grimm, whatever the fuck that movie is. I fucking oh, hate Brothers Grimm. However, However, I do I can respect that he is a phenomenal writer. I don't have to like it. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like that he takes a genre and he's just like, he's artsy. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I get it. I it's it's probably my fault as as a brainlet, but uh I, I do admire that he can write this stuff. Like it's it's yeah. really impressive. I mean that is that is his his thing. That is yeah. what he does. Yeah. And that's what he's done his whole career, right? Mm-hmm. Just hand him a genre and say, do something interesting with it. And that's exactly what he does. And yeah. it's going to be different. Sometimes you're going to be like, wait, what? Because, you know, sometimes people, they they like the tropes. They, they don't totally want to have their expectations subverted. But that's what he does. That is his, that is his forte. Sure is. Subvert he, those expectations, yeah. Johnson. And that's what he did with Knives Out, 100%. Uh, totally cool. subverted. But, it, but, but, it's, but it seems to me like in a, in a fun way, in a in an interesting way not in the way that like he was doing it to piss you off or not in the way that he was doing it to like it's a it's a noir movie but with high schoolers and they speak like they would in the 40s but they're all high schoolers like it's not it doesn't seem to me like it's gimmicky in that way is that correct yeah i wouldn't say it was gimmicky it was it was a little meta because the main character i can do like that. the main character so the the person who dies like he was a mystery writer and so that creates this this meta element to oh, the story where cool. where the 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 character is trying to piece together what to do as if it were a novel mm -hmm. um but of course you know like life doesn't work that way yeah but 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 the you know the again the 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 murder itself is not even really the mystery of the film it's like right what happened who mm -hmm. who who benefited from him dying right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was the real question um that's cool so yeah. i get yeah i got a real sense from this movie because uh i saw a lot of trailers for it leading up to it because you know back then we could go to movie theaters and they play trailers yeah. at movie theaters uh, <laughs> but from every i think i've seen like three or four different versions of that trailer and not once did i understand what the hell was going on i just saw yeah. a bunch of people come to a house someone dies and then the rest is like kind of ambiguous and i thought that was really smart and that also told me that this movie is probably like a real real good mystery yes. like they're not giving it away which is cool yeah they don't they don't give they don't give away what it's about yeah um and the cast is amazing i mean the cast yes. is so jesus good. dude you put don johnson in a thing as a, again as an 80s schlock guy Ooh, so yeah i gotta watch this movie <laughs> yeah 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 definitely would recommend knives out so mm -hmm. that's my number nine so what's your number eight my number eight is along the same lines as Motherless Brooklyn in that, again, it was another Warner Brothers film that kind of it got wide release, but it kind of just quietly came out at the end of the year. Not too much fanfare, couple Oscar noms. It's uh, Clint Eastwood's Richard Jewell, which 
I think is unfortunate. I think that title is unfortunate. Like, so the point of the point of it is that you will the, the marketing was you will know his name. Like who is Richard Jewell? Uh, well, he is, it's based on a true story. He was uh, just like a security guard, basically. Yeah, security who foiled, guard. You foiled a terrorist plot at uh, some event. Uh, it was the Olympics in uh, the Olympics? Atlanta yeah. in the nineties. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the Olympics. I I just felt like yeah, Olympics yeah. in America didn't seem right to me, but that's what it was. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah. I saw this movie in theaters right when it came out as well, and um, yeah, I just think it's it wasn't marketed as heavily or as well as it should have because I believe that this movie is extremely well made. It's another one. It's yes. like Clint Eastwood has kind of gone back to his like kind of Mystic River Million Dollar Baby essence a little bit with this. He's not quite at that level anymore, but. Uh, he, he really brought it back. Uh, the reason that this made the list, though, honestly, is uh, Kathy Bates. Kathy, mm-hmm. I mean, I wept <laughs> over over her performance in this movie. Uh, really, so she plays Richard Jewell's mother. So basically what happens is Richard Jewell foils this terrorist plot, and then the FBI becomes convinced, either because it's the only evidence they had or there's other powers at play. They really want to get Richard Jewell as the guy for the terrorist attack. So he's the guy who foiled it, but now now they want to just pin him for it because it's easy yep. and it's convenient. So yes. he, they hire this uh, kind of crazy, crazy character of a lawyer played by Sam Rockwell, who has been really been firing on all cylinders recently. You know, three billboards, etc. And uh, so it's just a really it takes you for a ride in a way that it's like it's not a fun ride; it's an emotional ride. But it's it's got heart to it and it's got humor to it. And uh, I really think this guy, Richard Jewell, deserves, you know, the marketing was correct. You know, he deserves to be known as, as a hero. But again, it's a bad title for a movie, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what the right title is. Um, I remember right. there was the ESPN 30 for 30 that talked about this event. I mean, it's it's a huge deal. Like, this is a guy who got wrongfully painted as a terrorist he was going but, to yeah. he was going to go he was going to go to prison for the rest of yeah. his life. Yeah. 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 Um and again it's because like they need a fall guy, right? Because yeah. if if you know, oh, this guy did this thing and we have no idea who did it. And it's like, okay, well, are they going to do it again? Right. Who was it? And I mean, in the 90s like it wasn't it wasn't after 9/11, but still like the um the World Trade Center had been bombed before. Yeah. By terrorists. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't remember if this was this before after the Unabomber too. I think it was after. It was after. Yeah. They talk a lot about they were like, oh, the Unabomber was just a random guy. Like this is this could be you know this could be that too again. You know. Yeah. I mean that was uh, um, when they yeah when they blew up the federal building that was a huge deal. Yeah. That was a huge deal. Yeah. So like if you have some random guy walking the street, that's not a good look for the FBI and law enforcement. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he fits the description, you know, he he's in his 30s or whatever. He lives at home with his mother. He has no kind of social life. He has no real interest other than guns. He really likes guns. Yeah, so he's got like, a lot of guns. Yeah. So he's like all of these things are stacking up against him. And he's just like the sweetest guy the way he's depicted in this movie. So, again, like really, really heart wrenching uh, this movie. I thought it was executed really well. That and of course, I'm a, I'm a Clint Eastwood fan. But I think more than any of the movies he's put out in the last 10 years, um, I can say that with confidence. Uh, this is definitely probably his best. Yeah, I I, I saw that uh, when it came out in theaters. It's a very solid film. It's a it's a great mm-hmm. film. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of like political stuff too. 
that came out with it. There has to <laughs> you be, know, right? There's always there's always different agendas and shit, um, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those films get swept up in those agendas yeah. when realistically it's like, you know, uh the the they tried to fuck this guy over. Like straight Again, up is it. Yeah, know? I think I, I think I, I think a lot of that, a lot of the marketing, a lot of the kind of talk about like, oh, Clint Eastwood's movie has gotta be political, this and that. Uh, I think if this movie, honestly, if this movie had come out, like if HBO Max had been a thing, right? Or if this movie had come out like on Hulu or Netflix or something, I think it probably would have done better. Because um, people love these like real story things on Netflix, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that probably, instead of putting it out in theaters during a season where there were already so many movies in theaters that people were trying to watch, um, I think it would have done better. But uh, either, way, I, I, either way, I recommend it. And it's one of my favorite movies, number eight. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so my number eight is it's a film. It is a Brazilian film called Ooh. Invisible Life. So this okay. is a really interesting film. Um, it's set in the 50s in, in Brazil. It's about these two sisters and sort of fate separates the two of them. Uh, and they both struggle against mm-hmm. pretty much society trying to put them in a box. Um, one sister sort of wants to become a, a classically trained pianist Mm -hmm. and the other sister uh she's a little bit more bohemian she gets into this relationship with this like greek guy Mm. and then she has a child out of wedlock and that's in this society that's like the end of the world basically as it it often is right (laughs) yeah so she she and so by fate the two pretty much are not able to really see each other Mm. uh just because of a few small things that happen in their life. And the film is about how their lives play out from those sequences of events. And it's just like, a, it's just a really well shot. It's very well directed. It's just a beautiful sort of time, uh, you, you know, slice of life in this, mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. era, um, Brazil in the 1950s. Wow. And the performances are great. Um, it's on Amazon free. Oh, cool. So if anyone wants to watch it and they have that, I would I would definitely recommend it. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but I yeah I watched it recently. It had been on my list. I'd seen that it got really good reviews and ratings, so I wanted to give it a watch. I watched it probably like about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I really 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 liked it. I thought that it was just it was really good. It was really really good, and I was wow. really impressed by it. Um, yeah, that's, so that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that you could watch, you know, like you watched it two weeks ago and then made it like a shot up your list. That's got a, you know, that's that's pretty high endorsement. Yeah, for sure. Especially in a year where it's very competitive. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it, it definitely there's a lot of films I feel like in this year that are that have an impact or they're very good. Uh, but there's a certain slice of films that I think are like really, really, really stand out. Yeah, and there's a lot of these movies that kind of get swept under the radar, especially like you said in the in a year that was so competitive. Yeah, um, like even when I bring up something like Richard Jewell, which was a big studio film with massive talent attached, that gets put away. Motherless Brooklyn gets yeah. put away. A small Brazilian film is gonna go completely unnoticed. Yeah, so it's I'm, gonna get I'm, completely unnoticed. So I'm glad yeah. that you know, I'm glad that you you brought it to my attention because. Again, I'm sure there's like a hundred movies that came out last year that are like this that I haven't seen that I would probably love. So that's really yeah. Cool. I'll get to. I have like a list of what I would call honorable mentions, um, and it's like ten films. I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, there's there there were a lot of good foreign indie films that came out uh, in 2019 that are definitely worth a watch. And there's some I haven't even gotten to yet. I haven't seen. There was a Pedro Almodovar 
film, Pain and Glory. I haven't even oh, watched I, that yet. I, I saw that. That almost made my list, actually. Okay. Yeah, I haven't yeah. watched that. There was another one that's like Baracao, which is another, I believe, Brazilian film that's gotten a lot of buzz. Hmm. I haven't gotten a chance to watch that. So, yeah, there's a, again, there's a ton of films. Um, and then there's other films that are very critically well-liked that I didn't really like, but they're still worth watching. So, <laughs> Of course. Yeah. 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 Ton of films. Ton of films. Really um, cool. Yeah, so Invisible Life is my number eight. So what's what's your number seven? Uh, number seven is has been talked about ad nauseum, so we don't have to get too far into it, but it's Marriage Story. I liked it. Uh, and the reason that I liked it, again, uh, my list is not really based on quality at all. So like, this is not like a list of recommendations of like, you should watch all of these movies. It's, <laughs> it's really eclectic. It's really weird. Yeah, go, yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, but... It's just like what what did these movies do for me that like affected me right? Yes. And what I really like about Marriage Story above all else is uh, just writing. It's specifically good dialogue. I think Noah Baumbach is one of those guys who just he nails it every single time. Like you don't mm -hmm. maybe his movies are hit or miss. Maybe some of the plot stuff gets kind of lost yeah. in the sauce. But what he really always gets right for me is dialogue, and he gets that sense of like naturalistic of like just people having an, a real conversation as opposed to just people saying lines at each other. And yeah. of course, you know, there's the, there's like the whole, uh, the, the, the money shot, the money scene in this movie, that argument in the apartment between the two of them. But the way, again, the way that it's written and the way that they rehearsed it, the way it, it felt like I was in the room with them. Like I got that vibe when I was watching Moonlight a couple of years ago, just like I'm in the room where these things are happening. Like I shouldn't be here kind of a thing. Like I feel like I'm just yeah. invading on these people's You're lives. Years. Yeah. 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 It's like the, I don't want to see this kids cracked out mom, like go wild on him. There's like, I feel uncomfortable now. Uh, so this movie did a lot of that, but primarily I just really, really like good dialogue. I think good dialogue gets really lost. I mean, if you really pay attention to the dialogue in movies these days, eh, it, it can be, it can be a little silly. It could be a little like we got to get the plot moving. Um, so I thought the dialogue in this was really good. Obviously, it goes without saying the acting was superb. Um, although I do think you could have cast any other really good actors in this and it would have probably been the same movie. I don't think these two necessarily have the greatest chemistry of all time. Uh, but I think it's directed really well and it's written even better. Um, so that's why I put it on my list. What did you think? Of Marriage Story? Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's on my list. Uh, okay, okay. Then we'll talk about it later then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I liked yeah. it. I liked it. Uh, yeah, I'll talk about it when I get it to it in my list. But I, I sure. definitely liked it. I liked it a lot, a lot, a lot. I really liked yeah, that movie. Same. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Number seven. Yeah. So my number seven is the very much talked about Parasite. Ah, so, of course. Yeah. Um, Parasite. So I don't know if I really love this film when I first watched it. I've you know sort of gone back to it and stuff and like seen people talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. There's no denying that this is a great film. I it think. Sure is. There's yeah. no denying, and it's a very well directed film. And again, this is another film sort of that has a message that kind of transcends yeah. boundaries. Yeah. Um, a lot of people connect with the idea of sort of this class struggle. And there's this this sort of this film deals a lot with like you, the, the inescapability of certain uh, being born into a certain structure, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the thing that really was interesting about the film was the discourse around it where people were saying don't know anything about the film just go into it blind right and because he does do a couple of uh like, like turns misdirects. yeah well it, i would the way i would say it is that it it it's it, so one part is one genre it then goes to another genre so like the beginning is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like a, it's pretty much like a heist film 
is the mm-hmm. way I would put it. Then it becomes a horror film. Then it becomes like almost like a like a melodrama. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Melodrama is sort of woven throughout. Um, and I think you know, for a lot of people, that that experience like that doesn't happen a lot in American films because people can't like filmmakers. I think are sort of taught to have tone consistency. Yeah, yeah. And a lot Take of a the gear time, and just stick in that gear. A lot of the time, I think American filmmakers are not able to get the tone switch and have it work. He really makes it work. Like when when that film like goes from the heist film to the horror film, and I feel like there's one shot, the shot that's really like where the, where this guy kind of comes up the stairs and you see his head. That mm-hmm. sold it, and like people like you know you're like oh okay oh shit, and you they get you get scared, and it's like <laughs> he really sold that tone switch in a way that I think a lot of people hadn't experienced before and it, it really resonated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is a extremely well-directed film. Uh, I mean, he is, he's a Correct. absolute master director. And yeah. when you study what he did, like uh, the, the directing sort of the, some of the choices he made that relate to the story and the way that, you know, he laid out all these motifs in the, in the, in the script script is really well done. A lot of people compared it. It gets a lot of comparisons to Sunset Boulevard, actually, mm. like basically two sort of tragic films with tragic characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there, this, this film is a great film and yeah, yeah it's on my list. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been written. It's, like you said, it's been written about a lot. A lot of comparisons have been drummed up, although I can't help but feel that a lot of that stuff was brought to the forefront because of the buzz. You know, it's like a, it's like a yes. chicken and the egg thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like, this movie is just as good. Like it's just as good having been written about and deconstructed as much that as it would have been had it just been released and nobody saw it. Right. Like this movie in a vacuum is really, really good. Yes. Um, it just, yeah. it, it didn't quite, it didn't make my list. I'll just, I'm going to spoil it. It's not on my list. I don't look forward to that. It didn't make my list because uh, while it is one of the best directed movies for sure. And I can recognize that. Just uh, the the whole class struggle story thing. I think even though it's done in a new way, like not in a Ryan Johnson way, like subverted. Expect- <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it kind of is honestly. Like he kind of takes it, like you said. He, he just like he plays with it a lot. And there's he does like, yeah. There's like a you know mile a minute blink and you'll miss it. Like uh like really really smart digs at, at all at all kinds of like different social stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like the way that people talk to each other and stuff. Um. But it just didn't quite make my list because it didn't have that impact on me the first time. I just like I just yeah. saw it as like I, maybe I just saw I watched it wanting to see like the mechanics of it versus letting it kind of affect me. But I think the class struggle story didn't quite connect with me because I'd seen and heard so much about it uh, at that at that point. But uh, yeah, super movie. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I felt very similarly. I think to you when I first saw it because I was expecting I didn't know what to expect and the tone switching didn't like blow me away mm-hmm. like when when he when it i thought it was smart like the way that he then it was like oh by the way here's this totally different aspect yeah and uh, and then it's you're like what the fuck movie did i end up in yeah it's like it's a jenga different. tower right they just keep he just keeps adding shit to yes. it and you're like what why what is happening yeah. <laughs> and, and you can see that's gonna collapse like their yeah. their whole this whole thing that that the family has this dream is going to collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it was not my favorite experience of the year for sure. Like right. if I was just going on experiences, end game would be higher. Um, sure. Yeah. 
films like Dr. Sleep, which is not on my list, would be higher mm-hmm. in terms of just a film experience. But yeah, as a fi- as a film on its own merits, it's yeah, it's it's probably yeah. it's it's probably the film that will be the most talked about from this year. Yeah. Uh, just period. And you know, yeah. Make it and that way. Well. And again, yeah. as much as it's talked about, it's still worth watching because sometimes you can get into that mode. It's like oh, breaking bad's the greatest series of all time. And then you kind of get apathetic to it and you're just like, I, yeah. eh, I'll get to it eventually. Uh, I think parasite is in danger of being in that camp of just like, Oh, you just movies fucking amazing. But like, honestly, it really kind of is. So <laughs> just, it give is, it a watch. yeah. Yeah. And so like like to give an example, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the the site Letterboxd. Uh, it's it's a uh, yes, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Letterboxd, it's like I would say it's probably the second biggest film review and rating site. Mm-hmm. It's specifically for that. Um IMDB is probably the biggest, but IMDB is kind of it's it's like it's like Amazon, it's just gone yeah, beyond. Yeah. Because now there's television, there's all this other shit. But I wouldn't uh, buy Amazon. Yeah, it is on my own. Yeah. <laughs> but Letterboxd is just about film. And they have a sort of similar to IMDb Top 250. Uh, Parasite is number one on that list. So Whoa. it is the highest rated film of all time. Whoa. By Letterboxd. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That is Wild. crazy, right? <laughs> that is crazy. That is, <laughs> that is crazy. crazy. Yeah. It, is, it is the number one film of all time. It is higher than The Godfather. It's higher than wow. you know, Seven Samurai. So Jesus. that should tell you about the popular this film is very popular too it's not just that it's like critics like it people general audiences like this film mm-hmm. so yeah it works it works on both uh, wavelengths yeah 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 so yeah that's parasite <laughs> sure is <laughs> so what's your number six number six uh gonna take it all the way down all the way down to the to the mid uh, the mid tier here uh it was spider-man far from home I, I love this movie for a couple of reasons. Uh, I really, really like Spider-Man. Spider-Man's my favorite superhero, just across the board. Uh, I've always loved uh, all of his shit. Uh, I read some of his comics, not too much, because I don't I didn't read too many comics. Uh, but big fan of Spider-Man. And I think what this movie did is piggybacking off of Homecoming, which, if I'm honest, I think I like Homecoming better as like a better film than this one. But um, I like this new, well, new, whatever, this most recent attempt at doing Spider-Man on the big screen. I like that they're really, really marrying it with that high school kind of John Hughes vibe, which Spider-Man has always had. The whole conceit of Spider-Man is that he's a high schooler dealing with high school shit while also trying to be a superhero and getting roped in by all of these powers that are greater than him. You know, the Nick Furies, the Fantastic Fours, like they're all pulling him in different directions. Uh, and he's he's just trying to get the girl or he's just trying to keep his grades up and not, you know, let Aunt May figure out. Like it's really kind of juvenile. But uh, I think what this movie, it, it really succeeds. I think in just kind of like Homecoming did again. It just it feels like a high school movie, and I love high school movies. It feels like one of those John Hughes movies, but it's a big, massive, hundreds of millions of dollars blockbuster. And uh, I think it's it finds a balance right in the middle. It's the second film by uh, John Watts, right? Doing doing. I think these. so, yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> they portal him out of somewhere, right? Sure, <laughs> but like they feel. Like <laughs> feels like everybody's comfortable uh there was a bigger role for martin star this time around and jb smooth right and those two are funny as hell they're the the teachers the chaperones basically of this field trip the yeah and they're yeah. they're it's just funny like they just again they just hook it it's 
it's got a little bit of that, you know, Bueller, Bueller, Bueller thing going on. And uh, I, I like it. So uh, that's why it made it so high up the list, because it gave me that like nostalgic vibe of like those 80s high school movies while also delivering the big explosions and the stupid yes. Jake Gyllenhaal shit and, and all that stuff, which I loved. I loved all yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you look, I, I always I'll watch any MCU film at this point. Sure. And I, I enjoy most of them. Um, my I I. I don't know. I'm 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 kind of a weirdo. Like the one thing that really I don't know. I'm just so weird. But like, what pissed me off was like, there's this whole thing about uh, he has this whole like like a uh, whole speech about oh yeah, well there's there's a multiverse and we're we're universe six one six. Oh yeah. And they they kind of use it as like a they pull the rug. I don't know why, but that shit just fucking pisses me off, dude. Oh, like the uh, the Mandarin. That shit pisses me Iron off. Man three. That shit pisses me off because uh, okay. because I'm like, no, motherfucker, this is Universe 616. And don't you fucking tell me it's not because you based it on the Ultimate Universe, which is 616, motherfucker. So, oh, I don't know. Okay. Like, stuff like that kind of pisses me off. I don't know why. I just get caught no, up on that I, stuff. I, 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 can, I can tell you why. It's because you're aware of it and you are familiar. You're, you're, you're a fan of the shit i guess uh my thing oh, it's is a direct that, attack it's a direct attack is the right. <laughs> is, yeah yeah no again yeah. it feels like like the the shit with ben kingsley and iron man 3 right it's just yeah. like we're gonna set it's this up time. and then we're gonna whoop yeah i get yeah. it i totally get it but to me here's the thing here's the secret outside of the first couple of uh the initial like run of spider-man and like the first like couple seasons of the animated series i don't i don't pay attention to any of that stuff so yeah. i th- i knew i thought the universe 616 shit was just a nod i didn't realize <laughs> it was an attack and so for that reason the rest i was able to focus more on the rest of the movie well they do a, they do it. a great job like this is uh i forget but there's a comic book run where some of the stuff happens and they they actually are able to create the panels from that comic mm-hmm. when Mysterio is really messing with Spider-Man and he's like, yeah, he's the brave. I saw that. That stuff was amazing. That stuff was yeah. really, really visually incredible. Um, and I'm really glad they got a chance to do that. Uh, Cause Mysterio is a very interesting villain. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, um, they found a way to, they found a way to bring him in without doing the actual, you know, parallel universes bullshit and without getting like really into the, the stuff. Like, again, I remember one of the last things I saw from the original Spider-Man is just like Mysterio whisks Mary Jane away into like an alternate dimension. And then I was just like, why are there dimensions? I thought he was a high school kid. So like, for like, it's very cool that they were able to weave that in at all and, and redo those, um, give a nod to those comic panels, I think, and, yeah. and everything. And it's, it's impressive considering how grounded by comparison to the rest of the Marvel shit, the, 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 the MCU is, I mean, yeah. especially because they, they are going even further. Like this next iteration of Marvel films is right. going. We're even, not there yet. We're not there yet. Yeah. It's going to get more cosmic and crazy. And yeah, it's hard to imagine being a high school I mean, right. You're Spider-Man. You fought. You just fought in a massive war in New York, where you're fighting freaking aliens, and <laughs> none of that. No, 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 no. The reason this made my list, it has nothing to do with it. In a vacuum, in a vacuum, this is a high school movie with explosions and with this crazy guy who has this like crazy plot, right, to reveal Spider-Man's identity or whatever. That's why I like this movie because if you start thinking about the MCU and the, all the comic book shit and the way that it ties into, yeah, I can see how that falls apart. But the reason that I put it on here <laughs> is because as a standalone high school movie with superhero hijinks, I think it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. 
Yeah. Uh, all right, so my number six was Marriage Story. Um, oh, yeah, so I had this a lot higher at different points. I really liked this film. I thought the acting was good. Like you said, the writing was really good. Mm-hmm. What I really liked, too, was that I felt like this really, this film really, I don't know how much of it is true to, like, actual real life when people get divorced, but oh, yeah. I felt like it really put, it, it, it sort of at least, to me, presented the the stakes and how how dramatic it can be you know mm-hmm. like when um the main character and he's like looking for a divorce lawyer and it's like okay my retainer is a hundred thousand or this it's that and, the, and you're like what yeah and there and then we, he, he's choosing between uh i forget the one actor it's like ray liotta and the other guy and ray liotta's the Alan like Alda. yeah and then Alan right? Alda? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like <laughs> It's like, who should I take, Ray Liotta or Alan Alda? You always take Ray Liotta, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the bull shark. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's a freaking he's a fighter. And mm-hmm. like another scene that's amazing is like the fr- so uh, it's Laura Dern and and um, and Ray Liotta are the both the divorce lawyers, and they have this first like we're there together. Oh, one of the best scenes. So I love that scene so, so much. Funny. And yeah. they're like, like the two lawyers are going to war and the two of them are like, they're like sort of sitting there all like, Oh yeah. The oh, lawyers are like playing this. at like a whole different level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The lawyers are, and it's their own war between each other, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, they, the two lawyers, they fought, they basically, they know each other. They fought each other. Yeah. Um, but like the, the two people it's destroying their relationship. Yeah. Because they the lawyers are hired to dig up stuff about the other person yep. and use it against them. Mm-hmm. And it's just it just this dredging of all the stuff in the relationship and you just see it's just tearing them apart and it's it, it, it's just so unhealthy, right? It's just yeah. like how can you how can you like first off having to relive your worst moments in front of other people in a legal setting is <laughs> terrible. Yeah. And then on top of that, there's all this other stuff. There's money involved. There's children involved. Um, oh, and all the stuff where like he he had to, so he like he like the um, the the Adam Driver character like his his their kid goes to L.A. because the kid went to L.A. Now once they start the divorce, the kid will never leave L.A. He right. lives in New York. She lives in L.A. And now he has to move to L.A. in order to be around the kid to look good for the. For the judge, it's just like, yeah, is this divorce? This is insane. This is insane. Who would get married if you think about this? (laughs) Who would get married? (laughs) When you were talking about like, uh, you know, like, I don't know how much this is based in real life. I think the characters in the film were right. He's a he's a theater director and she's like an aspiring actress or something. Yeah, she's an actress who basically he kind of, you know, he's not the best guy. He kind of took her in and was sort of, you know, he had been directing her and then he got with her and married her but also you know right. there's this scene where he talks about oh well i was so big i was on the i was on new york magazine i could have banged anyone i wanted it's like whoa dude like okay <laughs> right so that's the that's the thing about this is that like realistically those these two would probably not hire hundred thousand dollar lawyers but i think it's supposed to be an analog to you know Bombach was going somewhere in his career and he was divorcing Jennifer Jason Lee, I think. And she mm-hmm. was a big star. So the whole divorce lawyer thing and them knowing each other and doing this routinely is because, you know, Hollywood lawyers probably do do. I mean, not probably. They absolutely do this routinely and they all know each other and there's a whole thing and they know how to 
snake at each other and stuff. And so I think that's what this was analogous to was that marriage. At least that's what he said it was analogous to. Um, but I, yeah, it's just kind of funny to me to think that like just this playwright who may or may not or have yeah. been the greatest theater director of all time and this random actress would be at this scale. I thought that was kind of funny, but uh, I do think the analog kind of works. Uh, the analogy works uh, between that and the, and the real life stories. So yeah, wild, crazy shit, crazy world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, it, I can't it, relate to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it just makes you feel like, wow, marriage is it worth it? I don't know, <laughs> but especially but that seems you know, horrible, especially for people in the public eye or people who have influence <sighs> over anything. Well, just like That's the Johnny Depp about. stuff, right? Just think about Jesus the Johnny Depp Christ. Amber Heard stuff. That stuff is insane. I it is it. absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. And now we know we know way too much about them. Way too much. Like, yeah. I don't want to know about people shitting on the fucking bed and I don't want to know about all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but that, right. But that's what happens when it's two big people. It, it becomes public. It's uh, yeah. At what point like is being a public figure and just like, you know, everybody, uh, there's always that argument of just like, well, if you're a public figure, then like there's going to be paparazzi. Like you got to be okay with being spied on all the time. And it's just like, at what point, like, is there enough? Like, uh, Jesus, like, I, I'm good. Like, I don't want to hear about, you know, Johnny Depp's fucking yeah. mental breakdown. Like, I, I'm well, cool. I don't, I don't even know if, like, have if you've seen what happened with Chris Evans, like, yesterday. Oh, no. He, he, he posted a DP of himself on Instagram. Why? I, well, well, it was obviously an accident. He didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> oh. But, but he, he did that. He just did that yesterday. <laughs> And then he trended on social media because he did it. <laughs> so stupid. But wow. if but if he's not if he's Chris Evans, the guy who lives in, you know, um <laughs> who's like fixing your fixing your yard or like, you know, he's he's just like a school teacher. No one really no cares. No one gives a shit. Yeah, it's just yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. 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 But he's Chris Evans freaking Captain America and he yeah, accidentally so. posts a DP on his Instagram page and it That's funny. <laughs> that's actually funny wow <laughs> it's it's crazy it's it's a weird world and i think that movie did a really good job of bringing us into it without like over overwhelm i mean it does overwhelm us when it's supposed to overwhelm us but it's not like it's still fun and it's fun to follow yeah 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 yeah, yeah. crazy stuff man yeah the world we live in, we live in a crazy world i, I don't know <laughs> The other way I, I just, I'm just waiting for the singularity, man. I'm waiting for it all to get like yeah. broken down, collapse, and then start again. This <laughs> <laughs> shit's over, man. Yeah, it's it's, it's a crazy ass world. <laughs> okay, so that's halfway point. Um, yeah. So now, so what is your number five? Number five. We're in the top five now. Uh, top five. My, so yeah, we we started at Joker and some of these other like more introspective kind of movies, and now we made it into the top five, which should tell you that who I really am, right? So number yeah. five is John Wick Chapter Three, baby, Parabellum. Let's go. <laughs> love this film. So I love this film. Unlike Spider Man, which I liked it be like disconnected from all of the shit that it's connected to. I just liked it on its own. I like John Wick more because of its connection to the previous two movies. And I think they've done a really, really, really interesting job of setting up that universe of, of assassins and, you know, the Continental and, and all that stuff, which was supposed to be its own stars series, I believe. But that I think fell apart because of COVID. Probably, um, yeah. So they, they were going to blow up John Wick. A John Wick chapter three made it into the top. 10 
uh, grossing list for 2019 for for the U.S., which is crazy. Because if you look crazy. at the rest, of, if you look at the rest of the list, it's just Disney, 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 and then like what a couple, maybe like a Universal in there or Warner Brothers, but maybe it, Joker, maybe yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. But it's all but it's, it's all dominated by Disney. Dominated. Massive, yeah, massive Disney bucks, Marvel shit. <laughs> John Wick, John Wick, out of pure thin air. I, I liken John Wick to like the first Taken movie. It just came out of thin air. It was someone's idea somewhere. It was these guys who have been working together for twenty years, and they were just like, eh. And they did it, and they executed yeah. at the highest level of the genre, which is what I really appreciate. So John Wick Chapter 3 picks up immediately after Chapter 2, and it is continuous. Like, it is a continuous story that you can follow, or you cannot, and you can get high, or you can turn your brain off, and you can just watch it for the gunshots and the explosions. Uh, the only reason this isn't higher on my list, because if for anyone who doesn't know, uh, action movies and schlocky shit is like, just what I live for, right? Um, yeah. But this movie is polished. It has a level of polish to it. Again, likened to the first Taken that kind of came yes. out of nowhere and blew everybody away. As a like the polish to the choreography, to the fighting, to the gunfight, you know, the, the gun fu, as you would call it. Uh, everything is really, really solid. It's not higher on my list because it made me realize that too much of a good thing when it comes to action movies is a thing. Because uh, I think this movie just, it goes on just a little bit too much like it's not too long but there's just a little too much pew pew in it <laughs> as opposed to i liked a lot like a, the unit some of the universe building stuff they did in chapter two i thought worked better to break up the action sequences whereas this movie is just go 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 which is what you would want and they give you what you want but it just feels like it's a little too much uh at, at certain points but uh i it's again it's just these th this this super this dream team of uh, keanu reeves and chad stelsky they they know what they're doing, yeah. And they're gonna and they're gonna keep doing it, goddammit, Because I are. thought this was gonna be the last one, and then they sequel bait at the end. So mm -hmm. uh, they brought Morpheus into it. Mm -hmm. uh, they already had in the first John Wick. They had the actor who played the keymaker from the Matrix. So this whole so this thing is yeah, this thing is just a massive like circle jerk reunion. Yeah. Chad Stahelski and David Leach were uh, his stunt coordinators in the mm -hmm. Matrix films. In the so Matrix. like they all know each other. It's a it's great fun, and uh, I don't want anyone to think that John Wick is like schlocky or cheap in any way because it is very very polished very very worth watching if you're into any kind of action films uh and so yeah it's number five yeah it's some good stuff i mean it is a just a really good um action franchise you know yeah. that's all there is to it and they bring their a game and they're really like building a because like the 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 um i think it was chad sahowski did some reshoots for uh birds of prey yes too. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So he's like, he's like, uh, I mean, he's like his own franchise, basically. And it's just like, hey, does anyone want to hire me to do action? Which I is great. It, so I think I think these movies are really precious in that as much as this can be precious in that it's not connected to any big franchise. I mean, it is its yeah. own franchise, but again, it's not connected to Disney. It's not connected to Marvel or DC or, you know, any other kind of legacy franchise that Paramount wants to bring up out of the vault. You know, like this is its own thing. And I think it's really cool that it's breaking through and it's made it made it to the top 10, mm -hmm. you know. Granted, number ten, but it made it to the top ten yeah. biggest grossing films yeah. in twenty nineteen, a year where there was um, Avengers Endgame and Disney. It was a Disney get in. That is yeah. impressive. It was. It a is Disney impressive. Get -in. It was. I mean, Disney was... just dominated, and and even the trash that Disney yeah. put out made. I mean, freaking Lion King made one point five billion dollars, right? 
I don't remember if Dumbo made the. I think Dumbo was an actual failure. I think. Thank, thank God, Dumbo flopped. I think Dumbo <laughs> flopped. But like, if I looked at that list and it's all, yeah, it's the Disney, it's the Elephant Graveyard from Lion King. It's just fucking Aladdin <laughs> yeah. and all of this shit. Yeah, Aladdin, Lion King. Um, I mean, so Spider Man is Sony, but it's an MCU film. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it? Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. Yeah, Everything. Captain yeah. Marvel was one of those things where I was like, that came out a year ago? <laughs> yeah, that came out at least three years ago in my it mind. It came out in March, but yeah, it feels like it was it it, it, it feels like it was just like an I don't know, just like an add-on or something. It's like, oh, by the way, here's another yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You like Samuel Jackson, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Put him in the night. You remember him in the nineties movies? Yeah. <laughs> remember when that really good Remember when the what was it, the Die Hard Three? Well, here he is again. <laughs> that we CG'd his face and everything. <laughs> you, you, you're like gonna love it. <laughs> you're gonna love it. <laughs> oh Daddy, there's a white God. man on the street yeah i seen one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a better movie than all these fucking I Disney movies all of them dude <laughs> <laughs> alright so my number 5 film was a film that was also very very well regarded very talked about very extremely well directed film Portrait of a Lady on Fire so Ooh. I was lucky enough to actually see it in 2019 I I kind of, I don't know. I really kind of hated whoever the distributor was for this. Oh, no. Because they stupidly decided to suicide themselves and their own film. They, they decided, oh, we're going to have it come out on um, Valentine's Day in 2020. Oops, well, you, you, you released it into a pandemic and no one got to see it in theaters. Oh, man, that's a bummer. Yeah, it's a huge bummer because it is legitimately one of the best, most well-directed films of the year. And I think it's up there with Parasite. Um, it is a beautiful film. It's a well-directed film. It's just absolutely poetic and visually stunning. And the story is very heartwarming and also tragic. Um, this feels like a film where I could imagine. I don't know. I don't know what the story behind it was, but it felt like this had been in the making for years, mm-hmm. right? You can mm-hmm. tell there's that level of detail. There's that level of craft. There's that level of care about the characters. Of that, um, like that raw, like want to to see this made. Yes. And like everything about the story feels so well done. Um, You can just tell that the level of artistry with this film was at a different level. Uh, It is absolutely one of the best films of the year. And I think everyone should try and see it. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 so yeah, you're absolutely right. Like the marketing for this just absolutely killed it because I would have seen this movie. I would have seen this movie had I known when it came out. I didn't, I didn't even know it came out. I I knew it was in, in, in production or in limbo or something, but I just, I missed it. Yeah. And I've been hearing a lot about it and I was like, Oh, I just really want to see it. I got lucky. I basically got a screener for it. And they, I was like, Oh, they're going to release it in 2020. I think that's kind of a bad idea because then people, haven't seen it in the year it came out. And so then it would make lists in 2020 instead of 2019. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just feel like when you've got a good thing, just, just put it out there mm-hmm. because people are going to talk about it. And it, you know, it, it makes my 2019 list. And that's what you really want with a film like this. You want people to talk about it and you want it to find the audience of people. Cause it's not, this isn't really a film. I think unlike Parasite, Parasite was a film. Like we talked about this before when I saw it out here in Oakland, like, the theater was packed the first weekend and, theater was packed. We, yeah, we didn't mention it, but we absolutely, I don't remember the name of the production company, but whoever put out parasite is, is it making was, moves. They are neon. Doing, 
they are doing Neon. a really good job at marketing this yes. kind of foreign audience shit. Like they knew exactly what they had and they put it out exactly when they should have put it out for awards and for other reasons. Like yes. that's that if, if anything, that's the correct example. Because I think I have again, I haven't seen this movie, but I get the feeling that if this was promoted and put out in a perfect world at the same level as Parasite, they could have probably been competing. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And yeah, the 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 film was mismanaged big time. Um, it wasn't even like on the list of Oscar because fi- like so the Oscars they have mm-hmm. basically for every country they have like a film representative of it, and then those films can then compete for the best foreign film category. Mm-hmm. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire wasn't even in for France. It wasn't even there. Right. It was this other film that I've also heard is good La, La Miserable but that yeah. but all that stuff has to do with basically it sucks but it has to do with money and the distributor yeah. and whoever they are the ones who need to put this thing in front of people yeah, yeah it's, it's politicking. it is it's politicking and they did yeah. a bad job and they kind of I think underserved this film which is a really 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 good film um yeah. well it's definitely it's definitely up on my list now because now I know that it's out so <laughs> I'll give it yeah. a watch yeah again like this is another film that's like it's it's very popular with audiences it's very popular with critics. It's it's an incredible film, and this is a film that people will be talking about for basically forever. I, think. I hope so. I yeah. hope so. I hope it doesn't just get swept under the rug as like one of those uh, kind of. I have I have a movie. It's not nearly like at this level, but I have a movie that similarly just kind of got thrown away and just like vomited out in 2019 <laughs> because it was like mired in lawsuits and controversies and stuff. But like, I hope it doesn't just become one of those stories, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the distributors, they, they suck. They suck. They <laughs> fucked that movie over. Oh, man. Say love you. But that happens, right? Like that. Like, think of like a movie like The Shawshank Redemption. No one saw that in theaters, basically. Yeah. And then it played on TV and then it was like... That's a good point, you know, yeah. TV MVP. Like you see it and you never turn away from that. Yeah. yeah. You, do you think? Do you think if this got like uh, be all of a sudden became? I mean, probably can't now. But if all of a sudden it became like a like a Hulu original or a Netflix uh, film or something like this, would probably uh, turn heads, right? Yeah. If it was on Netflix, it would it would probably do very well. I'm I'm sure there's it's on some big streaming service. I'm I'm it has to okay. be like it's okay. the property is too strong. But um, yeah, true. If it, yeah, if it was like a if it was like a Netflix original, holy shit, had right? Netflix money behind it. I mean, if they can put out like a Say weird, me, man. if they can put out the Charlie Kaufman movie and they can, <laughs> yeah. you know, they could absolutely do <laughs> Not it. Not only put out the Charlie Kaufman, but get people to talk about it, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's a thing. Like, people are are really talking about that film. Love mm-hmm. it or hate it. They, yeah. it's, it is a topic. Um, yeah. And people, that means people are watching it. Yeah. And the fact that people are watching a Charlie Kaufman movie, I'm sure most people that might be their first, which And it's funny. Sucks, that's a, that's the but... funny thing is like it's not even his best film, but Netflix yeah. has that power of putting stuff in front of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but but now, you know, just imagine if they had the rest of his catalog too if they had if they could say, "Oh, hey, so you saw that? Well, why don't you try watching John Malkovich or uh, Eternal Sunshine?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Put you on this like mind fucked uh, funnel train. Yeah, just, yeah. Does autoplay? It does autoplay to the next one. I'm curious what the recommended is for for Netflix. If you type that in, you know, it's got to be something weird. Yeah, but cool. Cool. All right. Yeah. So, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's my number five. So, what's your number four? Well, uh, not related at all. Uh, tangentially related at all, uh, at best. But uh, so we we've started our descent. Right. We, we've gone from we're all it's only going to get worse from here. Um, sort of related to your you, you mentioned being John Malkovich and, and those weird just like 
bizarre uh, kind of art art bro '90s uh, films. Uh, Spike Jones tangentially related to Jeff Tremaine and Big Brother Magazine. Jeff Tremaine left Big Brother Magazine to go start Jackass. Jackass is a huge phenomenon. I grew up with Jackass. I it, it shaped a huge part of my identity for better or worse. <clears throat> Jeff Tremaine finally got to make a um, narrative film last year and it came out on Netflix. It is called The Dirt. It is the movie, the Motley Crue movie on Netflix. That made it to my oh, number okay. four. I okay. I adore this movie. Now, again, it is not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, hmm. Although that depends. It depends how you how you see it. The critics didn't like it, but here's the thing: uh, it's not that kind of movie. If, if yeah. it's I literally the way I would describe it is: if the Jackass guy made a movie about a bunch of debaucherous <laughs> degenerates, right? That were this, they just blew up. I love the idea of rock bands, especially in a time when records were selling, and you know the media machine works all day and night behind them pushing these mm. idiotic like 19 mm-hmm. year old kids mm-hmm. right like how fucking crazy is that in your life and this movie captures that and it's got like all like it's got these like crazy approaches because jeff tremaine like primarily makes documentary <laughs> style movies like bad grandpa for example was his big kind of like it's all it's staged pranks but it has a, a, a narrative throughout and Spike Jones was actually responsible for that because uh, there's like a great story of like they were weeks out from production and Spike Jones was shooting her because Spike mm. Jones was in Bad Grandpa and he was an pr- executive producer on it because they worked together on everything Jackass related. So he, he went off. So he basically like set up Bad Grandpa. He went off to shoot her and then he came back to be able to, to shoot Bad Grandpa. And he was like, all right, we're ready. What's the plan? He's like, well, we got these pranks and we got Knoxville. We got a 17 inch long ball sack. Like we're ready to go. And and then he like, he's like, yeah, yeah, but what about the narrative? And they're like, I don't know. He's, he's, he's about to bury his wife. And then you're just like, no. So I think he really taught him a lot about that. And uh, this movie, The Dirt, has a lot of like really interesting um like really cool, just base level, like uh, camera shots and and things like that. Like they do a lot of kind of point of view stuff, GoPro stuff, and it really puts you into that fra- razzle dazzle, frazzle, cocaine mindset of again, just you take these young kids and the the, the media machine props them up, and they play these massive um, massive concerts and stuff. I just thought uh, it's like the anti biopic it's the anti-rocket man and the anti-bohemian rhapsody and it is fully just wallows in its degeneracy there's like a scene where uh ozzy osbourne like snorts piss right like it's great it's fucking i i and i love this shit it's called the dirt it is dirty but and it like doesn't shy away from it it just goes for it uh and i thought again some of the acting some of the story beats they don't really hit but uh as far as the style of it and just making you feel like like human beings can do this stuff to themselves <laughs> and come at the other side is yeah. pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So that's, why, yeah. that's why I like, it just took me on a, on a ride, man. And I, again, I love yeah. that sensibility. I love that. Like, just, we don't give a fuck. We're just going to do it. We're going to throw it at the wall. Like we don't care. We're going to, you know, we're, we're the guys who made jackass and wild boys. We don't give a fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So that's totally. why I like it. Yeah. Interesting. I, I didn't know that the, the, that side of the um, jackass people, we're still doing stuff. Yeah, um, that was that was interesting. Them. Yeah, cool. that was I believe, and I believe, um, like a lot of yeah, like the camera guy, like the camera guy who throws up in in Jackass, right? That's kind of what he became known for. He's like a DP now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, like That's these good. guys are making these guys are making movies yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That that shows you in life you can start getting punched in the balls and then you become the yeah. DP of uh, big big film production. Yeah, yeah. No, there's something there. There's something there like that talent because again, Spike Jones before he was before he was even making movies or music videos, he was working at Big Brother magazine. And that magazine was basically jackass on paper. And it was just like, what, what crazy stunt can we do? Like, what, where can we put titties on page whatever to shock people? Like, that's what it was all about. Like, it was dicks and titties in this magazine. And so it's, it's crazy to me. And I love that they were able to take that exact same sensibility and turn it into a, a feature movie for yeah. Netflix. Um, about a big rock band, and it works. It, it really worked for me. So it gave me that that like really crazy uh, feeling. So I liked it. Very cool. Wow. Very very cool. Yeah. All right. So my number four, uh, speaking of stunts and crashes and stuff, is <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari. Sick. Yeah. So this this is a film uh, I had heard a little bit about back in the day. I think the script was like really supposed to be well regarded. Um, and this was a James Mangold film. Great cast. Um, how good is James Mangle these days? By the way, he's really fucking good. Holy shit, man! So yeah. I feel like before this, he had done what was it? Uh, he he did Logan, basically. Mm-hmm. So he and and next they're saying he's gonna do the fifth Indiana Jones movie. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. What, yeah. When, at what point did Spielberg back out on that? I think I think he backed out at the point he I don't think he he didn't want to do number four. And then Lucas, <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. yeah. I so the other day I was watching this thing about it, and th- this was this was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Was Steven Spielberg was talking about him talking to Lucas about what the fourth film would be about, and then Lucas was like, oh yeah, it's going to be about aliens and Roswell, right, and, right, and, right. and 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 Spielberg's like, oh, I don't I don't know about that. I, I think that's a bad idea. And then he, and then Lucas comes back to him like, okay, yeah, it's not about it's not about aliens. It's about inter interstellar human interstellar people. Or he used some kind of weird turn. He did it. You know what? Steven Spielberg did exactly what you just did oh, in the video. Okay. He, <laughs> he that was his reaction to what Lucas said. But then he made the movie. Oh, okay. But then he made the movie. And so I think he's been sold out on it since the third one, honestly. Got and it. even, in, again, in that video, he said, yeah, that's why I came up with that shot at the end of uh, the third movie where they ride off into the sunset. He was like, that was it. I was done. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I created that shot because this yeah. is the end. Yeah. This is the end. Yeah. But, he paid you know. off He paid off his serials. He, he, he got to make the tributes that he wanted to make, and he was out. He was ready to move on with his life. Yeah. But, you know, again, it, it has to do with money, right? Like, they shoved a lot of money at people for, for that third movie, that fourth movie. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Ford got, like, $25 million. Spielberg and Lucas and Kennedy, yeah. all these people, they got a lot of money. So that that's why they did it, probably. But hopefully mm-hmm. the fifth one, they'll, you know, get a fresh start or something. I don't know. No Shia. No fucking jungle gym shit. I think, I think Shia, honestly, if Shia was in a better movie, I think he could have, uh, he could have still been Indiana yeah. Jones Jr. Like I think he would have, yeah. he, he could yeah. absolutely sell it to me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So for V Ferrari, this is a really good film. Um, I saw this in Dolby and mm. oh my God, the sound mix in this film. Wow. Mm. And the fact that they really did all this stuff with the driving, all this is like practical. It is unbelievable what they do. And the story, I really like the find the story interesting because, you know, the, the title is 4V Ferrari. Um, in, in Europe, it's it's actually called Le Mans 66. Right. Um, Which is what that, the movie's about, by the way. <laughs> what the movie's about. Yeah. yeah. So they, they create this whole thing where it's like Ford against, uh, who's the guy, the guy who's the head of 
Ferrari. I forget his name. He is, he is Ferrari. The, yeah, for, yeah, literally, yeah. Ferrari. Enzo, like Enzo actual, Ferrari. Enzo Ferrari, yeah, yeah, Enzo Ferrari. Yeah, Enzo Ferrari. And then they're creating this thing where it's like, oh, it's Enzo Ferrari. And then he fucks over the Ford because he has them come and like give him an offer. But then another Italian company gives him a better offer once they get the Ford offer. And he was just using the Americans to get more money. Uh, and so then it's like, oh, hey, Enzo Ferrari. Um, and then they do all this stuff. And then the race happens. And then Enzo Ferrari tips the cap to... To them when they win yeah which is like a huge moment it was yeah it's like a huge moment yeah and it and what you realize is like the real enemy the real bad guy in the film is these bureaucrats of, at, at ford who are going to end up destroying the fucking company who have no yeah. vision they don't care about anything they're just a bunch of suits and they all they care about is money they don't love cars or love I, what I driving really means you know there's there's something really cathartic about seeing like you set up this asshole character who is an asshole but he has a lot of power and like you just can't get rid of him and there's something really cathartic about when that character gets like pissed on like he just someone just pisses in his mouth and there's like a scene i don't remember who does it but there's a scene where like uh, he's like i'm fucking henry ford and the other guy's like you're henry ford jr jr yeah like that's such a great moment yeah. where you're like oh oh yeah <laughs> I like to like that. like they call him the Deuce or something like that. The Deuce, yeah. <laughs> the de- <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Deuce. He's not really happy about what uh, what's happening with the. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's like scared of him for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he's yeah. just like he's he's a total kind of dweeb. Idiot. Yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of a uh, dweeb. At least the way again the way he's portrayed in this movie. Now these are real people, so we don't know, but yeah. that's the way that they're portrayed. But again, like these these people, they did end up destroying Ford, the yeah. company. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, so yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. The Le Mans thing is just a blip along the way of Ford destroying themselves. It's, <laughs> yes. all, it's really due to, you know, the guys that aren't in the title, right? Yes. The Matt Damon yeah. and the Christian Bale character. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you know, yeah, the stuff with the Christian Bale character too, like it's, it's sort of a tragic story, but yeah, oh, very, um, yeah. Uh, recently I did a review for, for our network for, um, this movie first man, which is about, mm-hmm. you know, Neil Armstrong, basically Neil yeah. Armstrong biopic. And that movie is just all about people, these people trying to go to space dying. And, and this is sort of a similar thing. These, these people who dedicate really their lives, they give their life and their intelligence and everything in order to uh, create these cars that can do things that human beings never thought were possible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's pretty incredible. And it's a credible story. And like, yeah, there's a lot of, it's just like one of those, this is like another classic, uh, Father's Day all-star gift. Yeah. Give this to your really dad. Is. Your dad will love this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I I was going to – so this movie was on my list at pretty much the entire time until the last, like, minute when I just yeah. finalized it. Like, this movie was all absolutely on my list, and it was going to make it really high. I just – I don't know why I took it off, honestly. I fucking love this movie. It's not like a parasite situation where I, like, had legitimate reasons where I was just like, it didn't quite move me. Like, I saw this movie twice. I, I love this movie. Uh, however, there's an element of just uh, – despite how just – obscenely well directed it is with all those all like the all the, especially the Le Mans race that goes on for like it's like an hour of the movie yeah it, it, logistically it, it it makes me <clears throat> weak it, it makes me want to throw up just like getting all of those shots of all of those cars driving uh, you know and then editing it all together in the sound mixing like it's a feat however the the movie I- itself is it's a formula right like you've seen this movie before it's like you said it's like a father's day gift yeah um it's, it's a, a it's sports a movie it's right. a sports movie. It's a biopic. Yeah. 
Rush, I think, came out not too long ago, right? It's it's kind of a similar thing. Yeah, with, Rush, uh, Rush is Rush is more about like an darker, inter. But yeah. Yes, and it's also about this interpersonal. It's two people against each other, and they're different personalities. Yeah. Whereas this is like a buddy movie, and the conflict is the bureaucrats. The bureaucrats are the bad guy. Like it, right. like in that, I, I don't even know who really was the bad guy in that movie in Rush. Um, no, yeah, no, it was just the, they hated each other. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, they sort of hated each other throughout, and then they 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 figured out they had a mutual um that that a mutual sort of mm. understanding of each other. Yeah, um, that movie's very interesting, actually, too. That's a good comparison. Yeah, I mean, it's just the last thing because you know studios work based on previous like this movie would not have been made had it not been for other movies that were like it, right? So because of that. Um, like yeah, the the story, like the the bits and bolts of it, of of like like you know exactly how it's gonna end, except for the one thing about the Christian Bale character, right? Uh, which mm-hmm. caught me off guard. But like for the most yeah. part, it's it's pretty pretty vanilla. But goddamn, what an achievement, right? Well, I feel like I feel like the twist is the Enzo Ferrari tip of the cap, right? Because that's really the moment. Because like Enzo Ferrari tips the cap, and then the deuce just leaves. Unless you know the story, which yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't really know the story. <laughs> okay, okay, fair it's, enough. It's a very well known story for sure because there's a yeah. documentary about it too that's also very famous. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Um, like this story gets talked about a lot. Like it's shocking to me that it hasn't been made because we've been making biopics for what 30, 40 years in this exact style. Uh, I mean, you could argue that Citizen Kane was like the original one. Yeah, but like, but this know, feels like this should have been a Steve McQueen movie, right? Exactly. Yeah. No. This feels like this. This could have come out at any point, right? In the last fifty years, and it never did. Oh my god. Yeah. I almost. I'm almost crazy. kind of excited for the Steve McQueen version of this. I know. I, I feel know. like the one we got is pretty good. It's pretty good, it especially good. with the director we got. Right. It is really good. Yeah. But you can see the Hollywood pieces fitting in. It's like, ah, right, we gotta get Matt Damon, and Christian Bale. These guys are huge. Hey, baby, let's go. You know. <laughs> so that that like turns me off like a, just a tiny percent. Yeah. 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 I mean, they definitely. They definitely like the the cast is great. The cast yeah, is excellent. Amazing. Even the smaller people, you know, the guy who plays um, uh, Ford, uh, he's he's it. That guy is uh, Tracy Letts. He's a fucking legend. Yeah, that guy's in everything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah he is an absolute <laughs> legend. Um, yeah, but then there's like the guy who plays Leo Coca. He's he's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, uh, John, yeah, uh, John Bernthal is, is yeah. in this. Yeah. Uh, who's the other guy? The guy, uh, it's like Lucas something. Yes. Uh, uh, Josh Lucas. Josh Lucas, yeah. Cool. Josh Lucas is another bureaucrat. The real, he's the, the real like enemy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Josh Lucas, they tried to make him a leading guy, and then he was he was the lead in that movie Stealth. I don't know if you ever seen that movie oh, Stealth. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, dude, you're talking my language. I, I saw Stealth in theaters. <laughs> I saw Stealth in theaters yeah, too. I love it. <laughs> dude, I, I, I not only did I see it in theaters, I bought the fucking soundtrack to that movie. Did you? <laughs> yeah, it, it had this one really great song from Incubus on it. That's um, so funny. I love but it. But yeah, that was a mega flop, and that was that was it for him. And then they try to make him a rom com guy too. Uh, uh, you ever see Sweet Home Alabama <laughs> with Reese Witherspoon? They don't know what the fuck to do with this guy. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, they, there was a there was a basketball movie with him where he like I they tried they put him in too, everything. Yeah. They tried him in every genre, like in the Coach Carter years, right? They they had him in, in everything. <laughs> it's like he's not a leading man. We put him in a, you know, I mean, because if you think about it, like McConaughey had this uh, kind of the same thing, right? He did, yeah. Uh, he was in horror movies in the '90s. Then he got kind of really big in the 90s too like he was in contact he was in a yeah. bunch of other kind of big films yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. just like went into they did sahara and the sahara destroyed his career <laughs> and but, then but but, but then they found out. yeah they found his thing i feel like true detective is the thing that like they found his thing like this guy's true detective actually brought him back. 
he's actually an artist and he's not just like you you can't just like pigeonhole certain people you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um okay yeah so that's yeah. my number four I, I love it. Vestas I love Ferrari. I love it. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. you brought it up because I'm glad that we got to talk about it because I felt bad that it wasn't on my list. So I'm glad. You oh, yeah. That, that movie was 100 percent making my list. I, yeah. I watched that movie and I had a lot of fun and I thought it was good and well directed, too. Yeah, so it, it really is. Yeah. All right. Cool. So what's your number three? Number three. This is this is the movie that I was talking about earlier when we we're talking about a portrait of a lady on fire that uh, people haven't heard of because it was just. It was mired in a bunch of shit and then it kind of came out quietly and the people who made it disowned it and they didn't have final cut. <laughs> and so it was just kind of a mess. Uh, but it, the movie's called The Professor and the Madman with okay. uh, with Sean Penn and Mel Gibson. And this is part, I don't, I sort of part of Mel D- Gibson's, like, I guess you could call it his redemption arc if there is such a thing, which there isn't. But uh, <laughs> I still think at the core i mean i and i don't care what anyone says he is a fucking incredible filmmaker like he knows he knows oh, yeah. how to make movies so oh, yeah uh this movie he was going to direct this movie originally and he he was going to do this one like 10 15 years ago uh right after apocalypto i believe uh this mm. is going to be his next movie it's a it's a biopic it's about basically uh so mel gibson plays the professor who he's a linguist and uh, his thing is just about writing the first ever dictionary. So that's kind of what the, the backdrop of the story is. But the guy who is kind of the inspiration and the driving force to him being able to write this dictionary is this guy, uh, Sean Penn, uh, who is the madman, right? Uh, and again, it's based on a true story. I don't remember the details, but basically something happens and the movie doesn't reveal it, but something happens in Sean Penn's character's past that uh, there's like a tragic thing. He ends up murdering somebody and then he gets put in an insane asylum. And then mm. when he gets, and this is in the 18, in the 19th century. So when he gets put in the insane asylum, he fucking goes insane. And this movie does not shy away from like what a mental institution looks like in those years. It's really, it's gritty and graphic in that Mel Gibson way. Again, in that apocalypto passion of the Christ era, Mel Gibson yeah. way. Right. So he was going to direct this and then he gave it to his apocalypto co-writer, uh, I believe his name's for uh, what is it? Farad Safinia, I think is so. Either way, so he gave it to his his partner, and they shot this movie in 2016 at the end of 2016 in Ireland. Yeah, so they went to Ireland. Um, Mel Gibson's production company, Icon. You know, they all went there. They shot it, wow. and then whoever was their co-financer or whatever the fuck in on the Ireland side ended up somehow gaining control of the picture. And wow. they took basically the, the dispute was that they took five days of production away from them. And of course, Mel Gibson's made a couple movies before. And he was just like, we need those five days. Cause like, that's when we're shooting our crucial stuff and the productions, the, the other producer said, no, you can't do that. So then they went to court. And so this movie was in court limbo for like three years. And then wow. ultimately <clears throat> they settled, I believe in 2019 and early 2019, they settled. And, uh, but again, they didn't have Final Cut and they didn't have uh, all the control they wanted. But despite all of this, I still think it, that the story came out. And the reason this movie's on my list, uh, as opposed to like The Dirt or John Wick or whatever, that are like the raw thrills of like, yes, I like this. I'm happy I get to see this, was just like emotionally, it was like the most devastating movie for mm. me the whole year. Like I get, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Mm. Uh, Sean Penn, I don't know why. I, I know Hollywood fucking hates Mel Gibson, I understand that, uh, but Hacksaw Ridge did well. I know this movie did not get a traditional release. It didn't get released in theaters, or if it did, it was like really limited. So I know it didn't quite qualify for some of the award stuff, but 
Sean Penn in this movie hmm. is is fucking devastating because again he's he's a he's a normal man that he gets thrown into this insane asylum and you just watch him just degrade. It's a long movie. It's like two hours and it's it's a little over two hours. Um, and he he starts to mutilate himself. I mean, it's really fucked up. But basically, this guy with with all of his the crazy stuff that's happening to him is what's feeding Mel Gibson's character. Uh, to write this dictionary because he has this genius that is discovered in him that he's able to like memorize all these words or whatever. So they, they the two become pen pals and then eventually they meet. Mm. And there's a whole I forgot. There's like a whole side story. The 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 person that Sean Penn's character kills is uh, Natalie Dormer's husband, and she's also in this movie. And so there's also this other arc of like this woman who has like four or five kids or whatever in like Victorian London. Right, who has like not a pot to piss in? All of a sudden, this man comes out of nowhere and kills her husband because you know reasons. Uh, and so then there's a, like a redemption arc, and he like he's trying to gain her trust and like really apologize to her. And it's just like really, really emotional, and it's really mm -hmm. well done, despite the fact that you know they didn't have final cut and the movie was just lost for three years. It was just in limbo. But again, I and. The thing is that, yeah, like Hollywood probably, I don't know how they would have liked this movie if it had come out like all according to plan because they, they still don't like Mel Gibson. They uh, don't. Which I, which I understand, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 I still think uh, it's it's super underrated and I'm positive that like not a lot of people have heard about it. But if you get a chance, you should check out The Professor and the Madman. It's really, really emotionally heavy. And if you think if you haven't seen this movie and if you think I'm insane and you think it's a piece of shit, that's fine, too. But I really think there's something there that this movie could have been like if this movie was released in the 90s, this could have won Oscars. You know, mm -hmm. I just think it was wrong place. Way too wrong late. time. Wrong time. Yeah. Got but caught like, up in some shit. Yeah. Yeah. But like at least just to see it for the Sean Penn stuff. I mean, he goes to like mystic river levels in this. He's, he is devastating in this movie. Yeah. I've heard of this film for sure, but I didn't know this backstory about it. I just, you know, Mel, Mel Gibson, Sean Penn. That's what I knew about the film. Sure. Sure. Pretty much. Well, and, and you know how it works, right? Like when you, when you're like the production company that like inherits a movie like this, like we talked about this last week, I think was just like, you're, you're just going to put Mel Gibson, Sean Penn. You're just going to put that on the poster and just put it out there and like not give it any context. You're just going to sell it on the star power. You know, Keanu Reeves is in your movie for 10 minutes. Cause you made it in the eighties. Fuck it. It's a Keanu Reeves movie. Yeah. So, so it was advertised that way, but, uh, it was an honest effort that started as Mel Gibson's next big movie. And this is kind of, it just came out, you know, 15 years too late, but uh, I still think it's well worth a watch. And it made it to number three on my list. It like really emotionally affected me. It's, 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 it's a redemption story and it, and it's well told. You know what this film, this film really sounds to me like in five, maybe more years, we're going to talk about one of the best new director's cuts. Right. Yeah. Does it sound so. like a film where they're just at some point they'll settle? They'd be like, "Okay, we're, Mel, we'll allow you to create your cut." And if the film is really good, right? Like we could I be talking hope. about another great director's cut. I hope they can pull that off, man. But again, I don't think it's ever going to happen because we don't want to see Mel Gibson's cut of anything because we don't like Mel Gibson. I think that's why it's not going to happen. But uh, I hope, I wish it did, but I don't think it yeah. will. You never yeah. know. I mean, look, Francis Ford Coppola, he's doing another cut of Godfather 3. Yeah, I'm excited for that. <laughs> so there's there's going to be another cut of Rocky 4. This stuff yeah. is happening. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. No, that's um, cool. But I, I feel I, like the, the, the director's cut, is it's like the, the toolbox of, you know, promotion, right? You can just always say, hey, this is a new cut. And if there's sort of a, a genus around that property, people will kind of 
grab onto it. It's like easy way to make money, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think I never thought about it that way. Yeah, thank you. You've, you've given me hope. Uh, yeah, because but I, I it's really five thought years that... away. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's five years away, and it's on HBO yeah. Max, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Fair enough. So, but yeah, well, I I think it could happen, but yeah, it's not not happening tomorrow. <laughs> no, it's not. It's absolutely not. But for what it is, for what it's worth, I think this movie is worth seeking out, and it's cool. worth watching for the performances alone. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think that's definitely one that I haven't seen. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, um, give it a shot. Yeah. All right. So my number three. This was a very much talked about. A lot of people did not like this film. Um, I liked it a lot the first time I saw it. Uh, I've seen. I think I saw it in theaters maybe three times. Uh, every time I saw it, there was someone else next to me falling asleep. Uh, <laughs> but I, I always really liked this film. I even liked it more once I listened to the director's commentary, because I it really made me understand exactly what the director was going for. Even though when I first saw it, I I, I kind of got it, but once I listened to the commentary, I really got it, and I really liked the theme. Uh, so for me, number three is Ad Astra. The oh, cool. uh, the I forget the director, but uh, he did like Lost City of Z and some other films. He's, I know him as the guy uh, James Gray. Is that his name? James Gray? James Gray. Yeah, yep. he's the guy who made yep. the Yards, I believe. Mm. The the Marky Mark, Charlie's Theron, uh, Joaquin Phoenix love triangle movie set in Boston oh. or, or Philadelphia or some shit. One, one of those East Coast cities. Interesting. Really good drama. Like really uh, two lovers, I think, also with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix was his guy for a while. Um, yeah. Really interesting, like kind of auteur, right? Yes. And hearing him talk about it, he's definitely an auteur. Another yeah. thing, too, about this, the cinematography in this film is absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't like the film, you think it's boring, you think it, it misses the mark. The the um and so the guy the guy who's a DP was the guy who did Interstellar. He's like I feel Whoa. like he's a, he's a guy who's emerged really. Like he's done a lot of stuff before, but this is he, is he Nolan's guy? Uh, well, I don't know if he's Nolan's guy. He might have done a he might have okay. done Inception. Uh, Ho Hoyta van Hoytemann is his name. He's like a Swiss guy. There was a – yeah, because uh, I think after Dark Knight Rises, uh, Nolan split with his DP. It was Wally yeah. Fister. And then he, he switched, split, and yeah. then I think this is his new guy. Yeah, yeah he got Hoyta. But I don't yeah. think Hoyta did uh, – I don't think he did Tenet. Oh, really? I, so. okay. I don't – maybe. I'll have to check. I'd have to look. Um, I can look real quick. But, yeah, but this film, I no, – you, you talk about really it. I really liked it. I really liked this film. Um, and this is like – an interesting so it's really like a sci-fi story that's trying to, to do something like apocalypse now is i think the yeah. best way to put it yeah i for the record it. i have seen this movie and i do like it yeah yeah it's a character who um he needs to go on a journey to find this person who is his dad Hoyta did shoot tenant he did shoot tenet. okay yeah. he's a great dp he is absolutely yeah. incredible dp is, yeah. um and i feel like once he started working with nolan he's doing some incredible work mm -hmm. um but yeah so this it's just the story like brad the brad pitt character he has to go find his dad and there's this emotional journey as well but really to me so this film um james gray talked about for him the the theme of this film is about what if human beings are actually alone in the universe what does that mean right? i got that i got that right yeah i got that the yeah. first time i saw this movie i was just like jesus this is depressing <laughs> well it is sort of i think so one of the things that really there's a scene at the end so he meets with his dad and then his dad is fucking crazy which he has to be because he's living by himself yeah which i think in space forever it's right? true but it also hurts the movie a little bit because 
if you've seen a space movie like this before, like, I don't know, fucking even Sunshine, like people who get lost in space, they go crazy. Ooh, woo, Sol- Solaris, right? Like, yeah. I, it, it's part of the genre, and I know why he did it that way, but I think, you know, for, for the average audience, it's probably just like... Oh, they were never going to get it. Yeah. There, there's, 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 there's this incredible scene where, um, so Brad Pitt, by happenstance, has to go to Uranus by himself. He ends mm-hmm. up accidentally having to kill all the crew that's on the ship. Um, and he's by himself and they do all these shots of him by himself. It is, it is incredible. The acting is incredible. Yeah. Like there's scenes where he's hanging in the air sleeping and then he like wakes up and it's, and he's doing all this stuff to show you how much time is passing. And I know people didn't get that, but it is absolutely incredible directing and acting together because you are seeing a human being going slowly crazy. And this is a person who has to fight that, insanity and he's trained to do it he's a trained astronaut who is able to withstand the rigors of being in space the isolation he's able to with and also on top of that there's all this stuff because he's going to find his dad where he has a strong emotional connection with and he's you know he the only reason why he was able to get there was because he kind of reached out to his dad when he was on mars mm-hmm. another <laughs> this movie's crazy but yeah. i absolutely love this film there's so much to like about it for me. Uh, and so for me, like, I always find it interesting because um, this is a very artsy film, but I've, you know, like you may, we've probably seen a lot of films, right? We've seen yeah. a lot of films from other countries where you don't know what the hell is going on. It's totally inaccessible. This film felt very accessible to me, but was also doing the art thing. Like yeah. I was able to connect on a certain level, on an emotional level. I'm able to understand what the director's trying to get across. Yeah. Um, and, but it's interesting seeing like the the art because this is really trying to be an art artsy kind of film. It's a it's more of a character film. It's not yeah. really a plot film. Correct. Some things happen with the plot, that. yeah. But they're just like, okay, that happens. But I don't know if I really care because I had this long journey, this experience of consuming all these images and all this emotions that make me feel a certain way. And like the theme too, the way that he pays off the theme, where at the end. Uh, the the um, the Brad Pitt character like he sees all the work that his dad did all these pictures of space and it's beautiful but he, but his dad couldn't see the beauty of all the work that he did because he's looking for something else something yeah. that's not there and that yeah. to me was really like that's what the film's about is like um, for for human beings what we have is each other yeah. we can't we're not gonna find some answer out in the universe what we have is each other and if you may lose sight of that you're gonna lose sight of what it truly means to be a human being. So yeah. yeah, for me, I really, really, really love this film. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I think, uh, yeah, all of those themes hit and they make sense. And I think it's constructed very well, but goddamn, like that is not the right movie to put Brad Pitt in and to put it in theaters. He, he is, again, the acting is phenomenal. I mean, the, it all works, it all works together, but I think the way that it would, this was a Paramount film, was it? I think it was or Fox Searchlight. Fox, Fox Searchlight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either before way, they, was... before they died. So this was actually a Disney film. I, yeah. I, I hate. Thanks. I hate it. Yeah, uh, it's true. <laughs> true. No. Well, I think Jojo Rabbit was uh, one of their last ones too. But uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit. What, what was I trying to say? It's just crazy. It's just I don't know how this got to the 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 level that it did. I don't know how he got Brad Pitt in it. I don't know. Oh, how Brad Pitt got... wanted to do this. He wanted to do it. Brad Pitt is why this happened. And I think is why he it wanted also... to do it. 
I think is why it also failed commercially because it became a, as soon as it Brad was, Pitt gets attached, it became a commercial thing. Brad, you know, Brad Pitt does art movies yeah. sometimes, and this is a really, really fucking good art movie, but it's not a good, like, it's not plot driven. Audiences, I'm not going to say all audiences are dumb, but like audiences that go to movie theaters and they see Brad Pitt, they want to see, like, they just want to keep the plot going, right? They just want to see, like, what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. This is not that movie. If you no. go into this movie thinking it's a sci fi movie, even, it is a sci fi movie, but it's not about the sci fi. It's not about the physics. It's not going to give you this, like, if we put the pen in here and we go through here, it's called the wormhole. Like, it doesn't do that. You know, it doesn't do any of that stupid shit. It, it's really internal. It's this movie yeah. could have been not about space. And it could have been done in a different mode, right? And it would have worked I, the same I, way. I think it needed to be about space. Like the aesthetic of, the, of the what emptiness, yeah. Yeah, of the aesthetic of what works about the film is the space stuff. I mean, the first shot of the film is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It's him uh spinning in space, and then there's like a. it's it's like it's like you see a flare, you like you see a flare of the sun. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a cinematography once he's at Uranus, um, like the way that they depict what it looks like when you're out there that far, it's unbelievable. It's yeah. the cinematography, but that, but that's why that's what the film is about. That's why you go and see it. And if people don't appreciate that, then you're just not going to like the film, which is fine. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think this film was ever like what the film they tried to make was never going to be commercially successful. It just wasn't going to be. I just, and, well, I just think they pushed it really, really hard to be a commercial thing. I saw ads for it all over the place. I saw billboards for it. I saw all kinds of things. And then I saw a lot of backlash from that. A lot of people reviewing this film, giving it a one star, saying boring, dull, uh, like it sucks. But like you knew that was going to happen, right? Like the executives must have known. Well, they were hoping they to trick people. Eh, you can't trick yeah, they, them. They, for they were two no. Hours. <laughs> Well, I, I think there's been times where there's been films that have been probably maybe not as boring, but like bad that have worked True, because of, <laughs> uh, true. Because of uh, a marketing campaign that works. So mm -hmm. when you have that product, like you just have to sell what you got, which is Brad Pitt. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, and those are two different things. Like the marketing campaign is different from the film. Like this film, um, what you need to do is like say, hey best director, best cinematography, right. best special effects. Right. That's how you really want to try and sell this film. Yeah. Um, and so, but if it doesn't get those nominations, you're kind of SOL. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, you just got Brad Pitt and so you got to say, Hey, Brad Pitt, space, Brad Pitt, blah, blah, blah. Oh, look at this yep. scene on the moon where they're being chased by people. You're right. 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 Oh, drive by on the moon. <laughs> there's like, there's like two scene and that and like the monkey scene, like every time I swear to God, every single oh, time shit. I yeah. watched that movie, someone was asleep. The fucking monkey, I swear to God, the fucking monkey came out and they were like, oh, every single time I saw that movie, there was someone asleep in front of me. And that was their reaction every time the monkey came out and they woke up. <laughs> That's so funny. I forgot about the monkey. Yeah, I think the monkey, the monkey is the thing that like threw it over the edge for a lot of people. They're like, what the fuck is this movie about? <laughs> Dude, that monkey scene was great. It was that great. Scene was amazing. It was because great. you're like, you're like, what's going on? Was oh, it, it, it's it's and again, it just shows space is a place that is not meant for humans. It's yeah. dangerous. It's scary. It is foreign. It is, it, it is the antithesis of everything that we're used to. And all kinds of stuff can go wrong, and you can easily die. Yeah. Well, right. Jesus. Of course. Yeah. And sometimes they have some fucking baboons on a damn spaceship, and then they get loose and they start killing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a wild movie. I I, I I agree with everything you said. I think it's a really good movie. Uh, I I just cannot I cannot understand how this got pushed 
as heavily as it did knowing that this movie is it, it's got at least 20 minutes of silence in it right <laughs> yeah like there's a there's your silence there's some long it wouldn't say silent. there's a score in there too there but it, it is it is him by himself in space slowly going somewhere to like Uranus was, or something like that sandwiched between like what fucking Gemini man there, and yeah, some yeah. other stupid ass movies. Right. But there, but there, like a, a normal audience is never going to truly uh, like understand this film. I don't think. And that's why I'm like, sad like, about it. Like, yeah. like, like there's a scene in this film where he's on Mars and he has to get onto the ship where he's like, he's tunneling underwater. He's like, it is, it is beautiful. It is one of the most beautifully shot things I've ever seen. Like that sequence, he's under the water and the way they depict him under the water is like brilliant. It is so brilliant. Again, Hoyta van Hoytemann, one of the greatest working direct uh, DPs right now. Uh, and then he like, he like, he like comes out of this orange haze. Yeah. I and you see that, him. Yeah. It is unbelievable. It is some of the best cinematography I have ever seen in my life. And I watch a shit ton of movies. <laughs> but for a lot of people, like they, that's just not that doesn't do it for them. And I get right. it. And you have to like, I, I'm I'm someone like I really think it's there needs to be some level where people need to understand what they're getting into with certain films. I completely agree. Because when you understand what you're getting into, then you you get in the right mood. If you expect something else, so like if you go into Blade Runner and you expect Star Wars, you're gonna be very unhappy. I know if, a lot of people in my personal life that I went to see Blade Runner with and they thought it was fucking boring and long, which it is, but they thought it was going to be Star Wars. Yeah, it, it's and if you and I felt that the first time I saw it, too, I thought it was going to be Star Wars, but oh. I watched it again. I and I watched it a couple more times and like, I don't know, it, I think people have a hard time understanding things that are non-narrative, like the beauty of yes. certain things that are non-narrative, like the opening scene of Blade Runner. One of the greatest opening scenes of all time, visually. Yeah, it is yeah. just a pure visual masterpiece, mm -hmm. right? But if you're someone who's expecting story, right? So, like, contrast that with, like, the beginning of, let's say, um, Indiana Jones. Uh, like, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sure, Raiders of yeah. the Lost Ark, there's this mystery. It's this guy in silhouette. He yeah. uses a bullwhip. Then he runs away from a, from a rolling boulder. All right. that is something that we can feel, right? Mm -hmm. We feel the tension. A guy has a gun. Someone stops him. Mm -hmm. our hero stops him our hero is like evading arrows and stuff all of that is something i can understand but, like well yeah well, those are those are things that are happening you're saying the hero does yeah. this the hero does yeah. this yeah when i like you know see the beginning of blade runner it's just it's an eye yeah it's fire it's sent yeah. it's these 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 like this i mean when you the final cut and the score and the sound holy fucking oh shit. yeah oh yeah it's holy good. fucking shit <laughs> yeah but like for, i think for a lot of people they can't they can't understand they don't know what they're looking for they don't know what they're trying to feel right correct yeah and ad astra is right in that realm it's it is a different thing than the normal narrative structure and and again i don't think it helps like the blade runner example is great because i know a lot of people who i talk to about blade runner and i i can't stop like talking about how f much i fucking love blade runner right really scott's my favorite director but there's a lot of people like a lot of personal friends that are like yeah, yeah, yeah whatever boring whatever <laughs> but i don't think it helps that harrison ford is attached to that i don't think it helps mm -hmm. that indiana jones the guy that is running from the boulder is now doing another movie or i mean the timing of that was was different but you know what i'm saying like in in hindsight and so i don't think 
Brad Pitt being in this helps, especially in the same year when he's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? I, sure. I, 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 to me. So I think from that aspect, like I do think there needs to be some kind of guide or some kind of thing to say like, hey, over here, this is not what the marketing says it is. Okay, just so yeah. you know, go into it, relax. All right, be a little <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yep. Be a little, a, a little open with yourself, you know? Uh, I think that would go a long way, but I'm glad this movie exists. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad we talked about it. I'm glad it exists. Yeah, I think this is, this is the fatal flaw of like how films are made, right? We have this... The, Whatever, for whatever reason, there's this idea that stars make films successful when that's not totally, or, and also directors make films successful yeah. when yeah. that's not really the case. But there's just that model. They say, like with Blade Runner, right? This director, we like this director, and we have got this huge star, Harrison Ford. Let's make it. Yeah. And then, and then it's this freaking contemplative, uh, meditative it's, sci-fi it's, film, and you're like, what? Straight what? Up, like, yeah, neo noir. Like, okay, yeah. And and again, like the the executives were just like what you were saying. Like they they're they're like the normal person. They're like, oh shit, we wanted Star Wars. We yeah, right. we didn't get we didn't get Star Wars. So let's let's get a new ending. Go yeah. get <laughs> get some footage from from what was it from The Shining. From The Shining, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. shoot another. I've never seen that in my life, by the way. I've never mm-hmm. seen the theatrical cut in my life. Oh, dude, it's never in my funny. life. The the one with the narration. Have you seen never. the one with the narration? Oh, never. it's so never. funny. I've seen the director's cut and the final cut. I've not seen anything else. There's literally a scene where he walks into the uh, the police chief's office and uh, he says something like, ah, something, something, skin jobs, right? And then the, the voiceover comes out. He's like, skin jobs is a term for androids that look like humans. Back in, uh, you know, in another time, he would have used the N-word, right? Like, that's in the narration. No. Yes, they make that comparison in the narration. And I'm just like, holy fucking shit. And I bring, I bring that up because... They, those two films, I feel like, are like cousins: Ad Astra and Blade Runner, because sure. a lot of the yeah. same stuff. Why is why does Ad Astra have have all this voiceover? I'm very sure someone was like, mm. no one understands what's going on. There's scenes where he's ten minutes and nothing's going on. Let's add a voiceover. Yeah, and yeah. they they just did it. You know, I I don't know I if so. there'll be another version without it. I think the voiceover is fine in this. I think it's, it's fine. It's yeah. okay. Yeah, but. That's why that's why it's in this movie, right? Probably. Because they felt like people didn't understand it. People wouldn't understand ten minutes of Brad Pitt and floating in a spaceship, <laughs> right? Yeah, but anyway. I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up. I like this movie yeah. a lot. All right, so moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so shifting gears. Yeah, shifting gears. Uh, what's your what's your number two? So neither of us have brought up uh this movie yet so i'm assuming it's it's number two or number one for both of us right and i've been flip-flopping between number two and number one uh and ultimately i decided number two is once upon a time in hollywood uh once again brad pitt quentin tarantino not we don't have to talk about it a lot because you probably already know what it is um but crucially and kind of tied to the ad astra thing i think this is a different movie for Tarantino, and I think it's a different movie for mainstream audiences. Certainly every Tarantino movie is a different movie for mainstream audiences, but a lot of the times they have shit going on, like when Hateful Eight came out and it doesn't have anything happening, it's just people talking for three hours. Like that turned a lot of people off. Obviously I loved it because I love that style. I love his dialogue. Again, I love good dialogue. It's it's like catnip to me. Like mm-hmm. Marriage Story really like yeah, scratched yeah. that itch. Like when Tarantino's not around, there's a couple directors that I go to, like writer directors that do dialogue real well. So, you know, but I think uh, this movie's not plot driven at all. That's weird. Ad Astra's not plot driven. Why did that not work, you know? I think what this is though is that it puts you in a time and place and it puts you first of all with the tippest, toppest, A-listest cast 
you could ever possibly conceive. Yeah, 100%. Right? right? Uh, the only thing it doesn't have is just like, you know, teen heartthrobs or like YA actors in it. But uh, as far as like the heavy hitters, like they're all in here. Burt Reynolds was going to be in this fucking movie, right? So <laughs> Yeah, before he died, uh, right? Before he, yeah, well, he, yeah, he read, um, he was at some of the rehearsals, but like, yeah, you put all these people together, you put Tarantino dialogue in it. I think it's interesting that it worked and it made as much money as it did, considering it's not very plot driven. Um, but I think, I think it's just hanging out with these characters for two and a half hours is what it is. You're hanging out with Leonardo DiCaprio, like a cracked out manic version of him from the 60s. Um, I just think it, I just think it worked for a lot of people. I think a lot of people are okay to just get high and watch this and just relax, as opposed to you know watch something like Ad Astra, which really challenges them. <laughs> you know what I'm it saying? Does. It does. It makes uh, you like mo- have to think about what's this movie going doesn't on. Doesn't challenge you at all. It's got it's got like you know Bruce Lee getting thrown around. Like it's yeah. got a lot of stupid shit. It's got it's got a lot of cult. cult it's like tied down by a lot of cultural stuff. Uh, that it like immediately it welcomes you into it. he's like oh yes the Manson family oh yes 60s music oh yeah, there's a lot of really good music in this it's just yeah. a really good I think it's a different film for Tarantino I really do it's not like Inglorious Bastards or Django or anything he's done recently uh, it's kind of closer to Hateful Eight but that was you know specific uh, I'm just glad that it worked and I'm glad that audiences liked it and the mm-hmm. reason it's my number two is because you know I, I just love Tarantino as much as that makes me a cliche as, as any other guy who likes movies or wants to make movies. Uh, but I just think his dialogue is fucking s- absolutely superb. And uh, just being able to hang out with these guys for two and a half hours. Hell yeah. Give me two and a half hours more of it. You know, it's a Hollywood fairy tale is really what it is. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like writing history in a way that, cause you know, again, he's a person, he loves Hollywood. He loves the film more history. Than, I think honestly, anyone else who's breathing, like when you watch, I've listened to podcasts and interviews with him leading up to this movie. Uh, he is, he is, he's the right guy to make this movie. Like he, he knows he lives and breathes this stuff. He knows people's names off the top of his head in the way that I feel like I know people's names that were working in the nineties or eighties. Right. Cause that's kind of my analog yeah. to, to his stuff from the sixties. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a solid film. I, I always kind of wished that. So like this film does sort of a wish fulfillment in the ending of mm-hmm. rewriting of history, which we all kind of expected yeah. right after Inglorious Bastards that there the way he did that, yeah. which is a fucking brilliant film. And yeah. Too. And I just didn't think he was going to give me, you know, two hours of Sharon Tate and like glorifying her and then just like do something shocking at the end. It just didn't feel like it was going to head that way. My only thing was I really would have wanted to see, uh, uh, Manson get killed. I want, I wanted to see like <laughs> him fucking show up or something sure, or some okay. kind of shit. I, Cause that that would have really made me feel good about it. Got like, it. and that's the thing with like uh, with Inglorious, like Inglorious Bastards, he kills Hitler. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Th- and that was like that was like fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and in Django, like you know, he fucking okay, blows, he, he blows he fucking up the blows, entire fucking plantation. He blows to up Tupac. the fucking plantation. It's so cathartic. He sets it to Tupac. It's so like I get it. <laughs> and I, I just didn't feel like that. And then at the end, he does the fucking meme face, like, (laughs) (laughs) he does his meme face. And then, and then he freaking, and then they do the theme song and he rides off with the girl. (laughs) That just was so much more satisfying than what we got here. It's he, he basically creates a punchline out of it. He says, Oh yeah. They came in. He said, I'm the devil or some stupid shit like that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's it's funny. It's funny, but like, yeah, kill him because, He's mm. he was still around even in your universe. He's still around and he can still tell people to go kill someone else. Kill I wonder, him. Kill that, him. 
that's no, that's definitely now that you brought that up, like that's definitely a choice. And I'm trying to figure out like I wonder why. I wonder why he didn't go all the way with it. Well, I, I think it makes sense realistically because Manson did not get involved, right? He just told people to kill people. True. That yeah. was his MO. Yeah. Um again, he could have created a different character so that that happened and but that would have been more satisfying for me. Yeah, fair story enough. Fair enough. To me, Manson felt more like a presence, which is, I think, what he was and what he was supposed to feel like. Uh, so I didn't really mind that at all because he's not in the movie that much. He's just, but he he's ominous. Like he's, people talk about him, and then that one scene where he shows up at their house, you know, like it's it's fucking creepy. And I think that's what it was yeah. supposed to be more than just like uh, overtly physical with him. Um, but yeah, I think. It does. I, I can see the faults. I mean, it does drag on a little too long. Some mm-hmm. scenes are a little too slow for like no payoff and for no reason. But that I think that last scene, especially with the flamethrower, that was cathartic enough. For oh, me. the flamethrower was, was fucking awesome. That was good enough for me. Like the, the from that Nazi movie that he made. Yeah, right? like, dude. The, the the all the like all the sub movies in this in this film are amazing, unbelievable. Right? Like yeah. the like the thing when he was on FBI. That was fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah. That was – I would watch that TV show. I would watch and, that episode and like you, 100%. Yeah, you said like you mentioned the Django meme face. Like there's plenty of meme faces in this. Like when when they're watching the FBI episode, you know, like you've seen the meme now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Captain, just like uh, uh, you know, like <laughs> – so th- there is that in it. But yeah, something about it is just like not as – I think I get it. Like it's not as um, uh, amped. I guess is, is a word for it. But uh, nevertheless, like I just love hanging out with these two characters. Yeah. And I think he did a good job with it. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, I, I really like the, the, like the weird subplot. Like, yeah, that Nazi move. Oh my God. That was so, so good. Yeah. Die, you Nazi bastard. Just kill them all. Like, like, because it, it's this, it's, you know, all of us would kind of want to do this fantasy fulfillment of like, what if I could have Brad Pitt in like a dirty dozen or some shit like that, yes, right? Yes, exactly. And Tarantino's doing that. He's yeah. doing that in real time. Yeah. And it's so awesome to see that. Like he gets yeah. these A-list guys. Like, he hey, come with me. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. He can yeah. do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, hey, he got come Al Pacino with me. in this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, Al Pacino's in the movie. And we didn't even talk about too. There's that, uh, they did that. Um, there's a couple of things. Remember like there's there's Leo dancing with like the girls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, one? Uh, like, yeah. That's just like so fun. It's just like it is. I, I love this. Like it, it comes from a love of that time, right? You have to love that time period to even want to create something like this. Because like for me, this is foreign. Like I, I wasn't around at the time. I, I didn't sure. know that this was a thing. Um, I think. I think maybe maybe I, I identify with it a little bit more because uh, I wasn't born in the U.S. So a lot of this stuff, like I, I grew up like America as a culture to me was the movies and the movies were all kind of stemming from this same type of stuff. So I did see a lot of like, I grew up with a lot of sixties movies and uh, not a lot of sixties movies, but like that, that sensibility, you know, and uh, that of course got transferred over into like eighties movies and nineties movies. So like, I kind of get where he's coming from that. Like if there was a way to remember a Nazi movie from the fifties or forties that's how I would want to remember it as Leonardo DiCaprio going, die, you Nazi bastards. So I think that's what, what this movie succeeds at, at the most is just like, if I could remember a time where I wasn't there, right. If I could remember a piece of media that was there, like I would want it to be the fucking Timothy Oliphant, like Western movie. <laughs> right. Like I would want it to be that movie. <laughs> so I think yeah, that's what it, it is. It is wish fulfillment. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And even like Leo playing the lead in, uh, what was that movie? The great escape. Like, Oh yeah. Just, yeah. 
just just you know again yeah it's just this like you've all all of us we've thought of that like fan casting like what exactly. if we did mm-hmm. what if we did the great escape today who would it be oh it'd be leo and blah 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 and yeah, like exactly, he actually did exactly. this and it's just it's just yeah that's that's what's really i think good about that film yeah um and like the way he recreated hollywood was incredible oh amazing incredible. Every, incredible. every time i go to hollywood boulevard i'm like oh, fuck <laughs> <laughs> Oh, seriously, I'm just like, how did he do it? Because it's a lo- it's like a tracking shot right from the side of the car, uh, and it's really long, and you get to see the whole fucking strip, and you're like, yeah. whoa, they really like the production design w- worked overtime for this. They did, they did, yeah. and it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, okay, and so that was your number two. That was my number two. Yeah. All right. So my number two is again another uh, great DP director collaboration, 1917. Hey, the there it is. Sam Mendes, Roger Deakins. Uh, one-shot film. It's an incredible film, and again, yeah, it, it's editing tricks. Um, yeah, it, no, it, even even back in the day with rope, <clears throat> rope, same thing. Editing of course, tricks. of course, it's all editing tricks. Uh, I mean, but it works though. Yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah this film, this film, like, um, I I just think the cinematography is incredible and the story is good, and so you put those two yeah. things together, like yeah, yeah. like the the scene. Um, where there's like the bombed out buildings and there's like flares going oh, above. Oh my, my god! God, yeah. It's like it's like like that's like a whole different level of yeah. of cinematography. Yeah. And only yeah. Roderick Deakins is creating that type of imagery. Mm-hmm. He is so incredible. He is so incredible of well, an artist. Yeah. We were and talking you, about the, mm-hmm. the Blade Runner, like the 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 smoke in the sky, like. So he came up with it before the sky went on fire, right? And it looks yeah. exactly the same. It looks exactly the same. Like you yeah. watch Blade Runner 2049 and that's what has happened in real life, basically. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I didn't think about it that that like a, that Deacon's aesthetic of just like the things going off in the sky is, is really cool. Yeah. And then there's the, then that, that whole sequence, like, so he's in the bombed out city and the flares are going and he's running. And then he's, there's like this, this building on fire. Just an absolutely incredible sequence. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And this stuff is not easy. For it to look and feel cinematic while also doing it in one take. Um, yeah. That, that's why. And, you know, they're both masters at their craft. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to. So a friend of mine, we saw this together in San Francisco before it uh, released for like the San Francisco. I think it's like the film independent or something like that. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, Mendes was there. Deacons was there. Um, oh, whoa. Yeah, the the writer was there, uh, and they talked about the film afterward. It was really, it was a really great experience. Wow, um, that's cool. Yeah, I really Dickens is such he you I, I can tell he's a amazing person. Um, because all of them left, all those other people left, and he stayed, and some people fucking rushed the stage and were talking of to course, him, of course, yeah. shaking his hand. I should have rushed the stage. I really should have, wow. especially now considering like you know get, you're, get, get near gonna, human you're never gonna get another especially a high profile human being forget about it for like two three years not yeah. happening hey, <laughs> exactly <laughs> never gonna happen like oh uh, sorry buddy no, um, no, yeah because no. you can't even shake someone's hand like now we're talking about getting rid of the handshake in general which is probably yeah. a good idea yeah um so you know yeah but he's he seems like such a cool guy and <laughs> An absolutely like probably the the greatest cinematographer of all time, um, and we just look at the the body yeah. of work he's done. Uh, he's incredible. He's incredible. Yeah. And every time he's doing a film with a big director, I have to watch it. And 
was not disappointed by the work that that him and Sam Mendes put in this film. No, yeah, no, the 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 yeah, like you said, it was like it's on a whole different level of just technical expertise and execution. It's uh, it's it's insane. Yeah, it, I was I was gonna put it on my list. It didn't make my list because I didn't have that same experience watching it. I was just this is gonna sound like I'm talking bad about the movie, but I'm really not. But I think going into it, I felt a little bit jaded because I saw it in like February or something. So like I was a little jaded at the like, the, this is the most amazing cinematography <laughs> of all time. And it's like I expected it to be and it was and it met those expectations, but it didn't exceed them, you know, because I knew like it had been talked up so much. It was just like, this is the greatest fucking thing you'll ever see. And then I watched <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it kind of was cool. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah, if you if you expect too much of it, yeah, this, this is this is not like like, like it doesn't. Yeah. In my opinion, like it doesn't really supplement. Like the story is great and it is a human story, but it doesn't like supplement. It it's not at the same level as the technical stuff, you know. It's not and saving Private Ryan. It's not, it, and that's the it, thing. Like this yeah. this movie is not even trying to be that. This movie is like no. really just trying to be a technical showpiece on top of it, like above everything else. So he's also just trying to tell a simple story about like what it was like to fight in that war right it's yeah. about this guy like he's trying to do one he's trying to get a message to someone else yeah to stop it. a battle from happening yeah. and they and even in the end the guy that he meets says hey you know tomorrow they're going to tell us to attack again mm -hmm. and it's sort of almost fleeting and it, it's almost like did it really matter yeah um but There's so much so much happens along the way too yeah 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 um but yeah, I, I really like the film. Oh, in the score too. There are some moments yeah. in this film where the score is absolutely incredible. Like that, like I was talking about that scene where it goes from the window to him in the in the bombed out city. That mm -hmm. score, that one, uh, that one cue, that one song is absolutely incredible. And absolutely the, uh, incredible. the when when he finally when he gets to the to the platoon or whatever at the end with that that where they're all singing by the trees very emotional very emotional scene dude that that song yeah. and what's funny too is like they never released that song for a long time they finally released oh, it good, like good. the actual version that was in okay and like everyone's like oh my god i have to find like that guy who sang way for oh, stranger and yeah and because it it's like it's beautiful it's almost it it's, it's almost like did he die or something right like you, <laughs> you, don't, you don't know what happened at that moment and it's 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 ethereal and yeah. angelic and like it's 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 smart it's it's a you can tell again it's a smart director like knowing that like after all of this like really like high high like very nervous kind of action you know you get to that scene and it's like it's just a song and it's just a couple guys singing and it's really cathartic like it's a good choice and and you can tell like the people who made this movie are really fucking smart <laughs> yeah absolutely i yeah. i love the film and yeah I've, i watched it a lot in in theaters i probably watched it like four times all in again in dolby just an oh, incredible experience. Gotta, just, yeah. Just an incredible experience with the sound and the and that type of screen and everything. Um, great film. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we got there. We're cool. finally at number one. Two hours Boom. in, baby. We're finally at number <laughs> yeah. one. Here we go. I uh, have a feeling. I'm just gonna say now. I have a feeling we both have the same number one. But you think so? It's possible. It's possible. It's entirely possible. Um, go real quick. A uh, uh, preface to to this because uh, we talked about how you saw 1917 with you know Deacons was there and Sam Mendes was there. Um, when I went to see my number one movie, I saw it at the Egyptian theater, and they were hyping up a session that was coming up where uh, they were going to show Joker with Todd Phillips and Robert De Niro were going to be there <clears throat> in person to answer questions afterwards, and. 
I was gonna go to that, and then I was like, eh, I'm in fucking LA. I can see this shit anytime, and then the pandemic <laughs> happened. So I just wanted to get that story in there because I'm pissed off that I didn't get to see fucking Robert De Niro talk. You got about you got too food. jaded on your LA life. A little you took it for bit, granted. Man. A little bit at that and at that point I've been working, you know, with audiences, right? So I've been like on all these sets and all these shows, and I was just like, ah, this is Hollywood bait. I was gonna uh, not at that time, but like I ended up working uh, the Oscars like the night after, and I was just like, ah, it's cool, whatever, like Hollywood, baby. That's <laughs> but uh, big, big mistake. So I wanted to say that. But that night where that was announced, I saw The Irishman at the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood, and that's my number one film. And uh, again, a lot has been said about it, a lot has been written about it. You can argue it any which way you want. You can say it's too long. You can say it's too slow. You can say the acting doesn't hold up. You can say the CG doesn't hold up. You can say the fucking old man movements don't match up to the faces because they don't. And it's really jarring and terrible. But, (laughs) but all of that aside, it is my number one movie because it is, it is a miracle of a movie. In my opinion, again, as somebody who grew up watching movies and thinking that movies are America, like th- this is the culture and you know because <clears throat> that's a, that's what I thought I thought it was all you know not necessarily it was all like Italian mobsters or anything but it was like that style it was like yeah New York City is seedy underbelly drug dealers this and that people getting whacked um so it, it is a payoff in many 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 ways it works on many 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 levels I don't think it's it, the movie itself it, it tells a great story and it's edited and shot and whatever I mean fucking Thelma Schoonmaker is still out there cutting movies cutting a four hour Scorsese movie really impressive stuff but I think the, the, what it is is a send off to this type of movie not necessarily the gangster genre as a whole but just like the Scorsese gangster movie like I don't think there's going to be another one quite like this because there was a concerned effort to get Harvey Keitel in this to get Robert De Niro in this to get Al Pacino in this to get Joe Pesci in this which are all again you can say they're all dinosaurs they're all fucking octogenarians or septuagenarians and they move clunky and why is this great you know why is this movie so long and why do we care about these old fucks who have been making movies for 40 years but I care and Martin Scorsese cared and I think it came together really well and again I think it's just it's it's in the mode of Goodfellas and Casino, like those those can all be seen together back yeah. to back, and they work. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know, I don't know what else to to really say. I have a feeling that you have stuff to say as well, and we can discuss. Yeah. But for me personally, it was just you talk about wish fulfillment. <clears throat> Once upon a time in Hollywood was wish fulfillment for a thing that I'd never experienced or grown up with. This was wish fulfillment for all of those times that I watched, you know, Goodfellas on repeat. And I watched, you know, uh, Bronx Tale and all of these other 90s gangster movies or those 80s, like Once Upon a Time in America. Like all of these movies have culminated for me in The Irishman as this last big powwow, you know. And there's there's a couple, you know, there's a couple fresh blood in here too. There's Bobby Cannavale is just like really, really showing his stuff uh he's worked with scorsese before jesse plemons is in this and he's he's fucking great and awkward as usual but he's good he's good in these roles yeah and so uh that was it i mean irishman really did it for me it was my number one movie what's his name's in it too the comedian um ray romano ray romano he's good he's he's a great he's good He's Italian. He's from New York. And he, just, he absolutely <laughs> plays it. Like, I don't even know if he was acting. Like, it's just fucking perfect. <laughs> yeah. 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 So this is my number one, too. Um, I saw I saw it in a the theater. I saw it in Walnut Creek. It was really funny. There's this one, 
there's this one moment where they reference Walnut Creek in the movie. Oh, that's right. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, that's it was very fun. Um, <laughs> but I feel like this film, I can understand why people maybe have some reservations about it. It is long and it does this thing where it kind of does like a double. Uh, so it, it's like a flashback of a flashback. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, he, he mm-hmm. it starts with him old and then he talks about a time he was on a road trip. And then in that road trip, they're talking about a time when they yes. were younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this that already gets you like, wait, what? Yeah. But when it unravels all that plot, what you realize is that road trip is this super important moment where he had to do this thing where he had to kill somebody. Yeah. Extremely important. Yeah. And that relates to and what's so brilliant about the film is that he and I think the reason why you're right, this is sort of like the end of that gangster movie. Mm -hmm. This film is about legacy. This film is about what yeah. are the re- end results of the things that you do yeah. and where that takes you. Um, so for Frank Sharon, he did all these things. He was part of all these extremely important moments in American history around all these extremely powerful and important people. But in the end, he's at an old folks home. No one right. knows who he is. Right. No one even knows who the people he was around were. Mm-hmm. That's such like, a great touch. Yeah, that was like, such oh, a brilliant. It's like, oh, who was that? You don't know who that is. It's fucking Jimmy Hoffa. It's Jimmy Hoffa is like, eh? and it's same, I don't know who Jimmy Hoffa really I get is. It. Yeah. Not a, not on the same level as someone his age. Because I guarantee you, if <laughs> ten years from now you talk to a kid and you show him, you know, uh, let's say you know you show him Al Pacino and Serpico, he'd be like, "What the fuck is that? Why do I care?" Oh, and Serpico, they would never understand. No. They would never know. Or you know, I'm just saying, like as an example, like you, you would show them one of these guys, you would show them Frank Vincent or something, or you show them Harvey Keitel, and they'd be like, "I have fucking who cares?" Yeah. I don't, but I back don't in the day, these guys were operating at a level like 70s cinema that was just like really breaking yeah. ground. Yeah. Yeah, and I really liked how that came around in the end that that's the theme of this film because all he wants is to be with his daughter and his daughter sees him as basically a horrible and corrupt person who got this person she she actually liked uh, jimmy hoffa killed mm-hmm. um and she she like has basically zero lines in the film other than like there's this yeah. one scene where she like pretty much accuses him of doing it mm-hmm. um and that's the end of her relationship with him i i just like and that last, that last shot, holy shit! Yes, yes, that last shot. I wanted. I'm glad you brought that. Up. I'm glad you you brought up Chilling. like the theme of it, right? The the um, I lost my train of thought, but uh, the whole kind of like legacy thing, right? Because to me, the the whole the the meta narrative was working for me the whole time of just like we, you know, these guys working together and making these movies for all these years, and what really is it for? And and so that last shot was just you know Robert De Niro in a in a fucking wheelchair you know, slowly panning out of that door, just like, is anyone going to remember this stuff? Is this worth anything? Does anyone care? You know, is this important? Like, I think it, 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 it asks some really cool questions. Yeah, totally. Um, and you know, it, the other parts of the film too, like there's the typical Scorsese craft. Exactly. Beautiful like moments. Yeah. Um, another one of my favorites is like when he's choosing a gun to use to do a killing. Yeah. So <laughs> funny. So well written. So well edited. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, that's a, that's a Scorsese that's a Scorseseism, right? It's like, yeah. well, you want to take the twenty-two because that's not yeah. gonna kill him, so you gotta the shotgun's gonna make too much yeah. of a mess. It's too much noise. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to. I want to scare him, but I don't want to blow away. You know, the misses next to him. So I gotta <laughs> but like, but that gun, the the fifteen, too small. That's a lady's gun. You yeah. don't use that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And that scene where he shoots the guy in the diner, that shit was. 
intense. It's and it's a single take. It's like that classic yeah. Scorsese, just like car comes around, goes in, shoots the guy, comes out, gets back in the car, leaves. It's really cool. The 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 killings in this movie are done particularly uh, gruesomely, and yeah, yeah. I mean there 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 definitely feels like there's uh and this is written by Steven Zalian, a very mm-hmm. very very brilliant writer. He wrote uh, San Francisco State alum. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I mean he's one of the, he's one of the greats. He's one of the greatest ever to do it. Um, I just yeah. recently watched his miniseries, The Night of, another very oh, interesting I love well, that series. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah that's brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. He's a brilliant writer, and again, the writing on this, I feel like Zalian and the, I think William Monahan. There's these guys that they just do yeah. stuff on a really high level. They don't produce a lot because mm-hmm. the Irishman. I've heard about this film since 2007. Same. Same. Yeah. I've been following it uh, since yeah. high school, basically. Yeah. Th- this thing has been in the works for a long time. And guys like that, they, they're they like, we're going to do this. It's going to cost this. We're doing it at this level. Yeah. Um, and that's just what it is. Either you're on board or you're not. Yeah. But they are great artists. And they create amazing, compelling, deep art that yeah. I think transcends. I mean, this is something where I feel like I could watch it. I mean, I'm, you know, again, I'm a guy in my 30s. But for some reason, I always kind of think about my legacy and I think about mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. I'm doing and what's what it means if I'm really using my time correctly. And right. this really connected for me where it's like, I, I don't have regrets yet, but I, I know the feeling of having that has to be so powerful yeah. for someone. And if you really understand what it means as a human being to see the end coming very quickly, like there's a yeah. scene where he picks out his casket yeah he goes casket shopping by himself because there's no one else yeah everyone else is dead he's hanging out with all these gangsters they're all dead or they're Mm -hmm. all there's nothing like he's he's a he's a he's an artifact of a time that no one really cares about anymore yeah and he's stuck by himself that that is scary yeah and if people understand like that's a real thing that all of us face do you are you going to be frank sharon by yourself can't even close the door because you're afraid some person is going to come for revenge on you Mm mm-hmm that's yeah and a and lot I, of people they live that life from this universe right these gangsters right. yeah again I'm, I'm glad you're bringing up all these things because like i can see how as like a 20 year old this movie gets put up on netflix and you're just like it's a bunch of old fucks why yeah, do i care it. that's the point of it i think and i think it's really important that a bunch of old people made this movie because you can you can feel like in those scenes of like like if you think about frank sharon's story and he was he was in he like intersection with JFK. He with the Bay of Pigs. He like Bay armed the Bay of Pigs invasion. <laughs> like he, he killed Jimmy fucking Hoffa. Like he intersects with all of these historical things. But in the end, the movie's asking the question is like that's all stuff that like happens like is this does this really matter and is anyone going to remember the individuals who who perpetrated this stuff and this in in that same way i think the meta narrative works where like these are the guys or maybe maybe this is me putting it on the movie but these are the guys that were making these landmark films in the 70s that were making they were in the godfather and making the deer hunter and they're making these things and these are the same guys again making this movie at the end pretty much at the end of their life is how it's framed and it's like yeah it's asking the same question is like is anyone going to remember or is that just part of history and then cinema is going to move forward with those contributions built into yeah. it is yeah, anyone going to actually care yeah yeah will anyone really remember them or will they just be sort of like the way we feel about like someone like buster keaton or like uh charlie chaplin sure yeah like we, we know that great speech that he did you know uh in that movie but what, what else do we really know about charlie chaplin's life or what do we know about the other movies that he did 
Uh, like we're going to remember you talking to me, you talking to me, but we probably, you know, at some point we're not going to know where that's from. It's just a thing that yeah. people say. Yeah. It's just a meme yeah. uh, or even, or even like, you know, that's, that's a good, I mean, a lot of these films from the twenties now are becoming a hundred years old. Shit, and yeah. so <laughs> again, like those people are artifacts. Yeah. Like Buster Keaton is an artifact. I mean, all this stuff like that's, we can't really have a true connection with it anymore because it's so true. far gone. It's we live true. in a completely different universe than them. Yeah. But they did such amazing stuff to create the world that we know, the art yeah. that we know. But do we really have a connection with them anymore? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, like everyone, yeah, everyone who does like musical theater knows Fred Astaire. But like other than that, you know, is that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's it, it's mm -hmm. it's pretty heavy. I, yeah, <laughs> it works. Stuff. I, yeah. I I absolutely loved the film the first time I saw it. Um, I Same. loved all the craft. Um, but once you really see it unraveling what they're trying to say and do, I, and just, I, have, I was like, and I have to say, yeah. there is such there's so much uh, um, to be said about seeing this movie with an audience. We both saw it with an audience. Yeah. And at least here in L.A. at the Egyptian theater, like the people who were there, like they knew what the hell they were in for. And they were laughing and they were clapping. And the, the, the first time uh, when uh, Jimmy Hoffa calls Frank Sheeran, you know, and he's like, I heard you paint houses. Like when you hear Al Pacino, <laughs> the fucking audience erupted. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Like it's a cool feeling that like we get to have this kind of last hurrah for these old mm -hmm. fucks that have made so many movies that we've enjoyed <laughs> yeah. over the <laughs> yeah, all the, this is the culmination of all these great films. Like, right, finally, because yeah. they never had as Scorsese, uh, De Niro, um, Pacino. Uh, yeah, Pacino yeah. movie. This is it. Yeah. This is it. Yeah, and and I'm glad. Like, maybe maybe if those stars from the 20s got to make something like this in the 50s or 60s, we would have at least that for some context yeah. of how to remember them. I'm glad that they got to make this movie because at least in a historical sense, you can trace everything yes. that leads up to this movie with these yeah. guys. Yeah. And it is so good, again, that th there is a film kind of like that. So Charlie Chaplin in 1951, he did a film called Limelight. I think cool. it's the last great film he ever did. He's in it, Keaton's in it, and a couple other people, and they play oh, like his vaudeville. Yeah, and it's really it's really about passing the torch. He's an cool. old, aging vaudeville star, and there's this new girl who's a new star, and they're kind of... He's passing the torch to her, and both of them are in it. And Keaton and and uh, Chaplin are great in the movie. And yeah, and it it feels like the last great film that the two of them really did. That's cool. I, think. I, I love to hear stories like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think I guess that's all we have to say on the Irishman. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we. we I mean, yeah. We could talk it's, about. We like could talk a lot about it. The way, yeah, we could talk a lot about it, but like the way that it was released and distributed and stuff like that. But like, I think it was a success. I think Netflix said it was a success for them. Again, I have a lot of personal friends who, uh, like, you know, I tell them about Blade Runner and how much I love it, and they're like, it's kind of boring. I told them about The Irishman, and I don't think any of them watched it uh, because, again, they were they're about the same age as me, maybe a little bit yeah. younger. Uh, but yeah, they just didn't care. They just like ah, yeah, Robert yeah, Niro, yeah. like. They cared more about Robert De Niro seeing him in the Joker than they would in this movie. So for sure, it's I think just not culturally relevant for them. There are certain films you you have to meet a person at a right time and place. Yeah, um, there's a lot of films like that. You have but to that, be in the right mood. You have to be in the right exactly. state of mind. Exactly. Even um, and if yeah. any of those things are off, sometimes it won't. work. I know there are films for me. Like I saw, like just as a random example, uh, Aguirre: The Wrath of God when I was <laughs> probably like 18 or something, and Jesus. I didn't really get it. But okay. what's funny though is like there are definitely things I feel I need to watch that again. I actually haven't seen it since then. But oh, um, 
I there are still images that stick in my head. I remember that horse being on that fucking raft floating out into nowhere, yeah. which is one. And then there's yeah. like another scene where he like looks into the camera and he's like totally crazy. I remember those things, which is the point of the film, actually. So mm -hmm. the film worked on me, but I wasn't in the right mood to really consume what that film was about. Right. And I feel like the Irishman is just like that. Like you have to be, you have to understand it's long. Yeah. This, this is a really big drawn out film and it's trying to do something that I, yeah. Like if you're 17, can you really connect with this film? Not at all. Totally. I don't, I, I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe, I mean, you can have fun but not with a it. Lot. Yeah. And, and like, you know, scene by scene basis of like, ah, shit, they're throwing cabs into the river. That's cool. Yeah. But like, no, I, I get it. And I'm glad that, yeah, I think if anything else, like that's one of the big takeaways we took from doing this whole list, like with the Ad Astra discussion and everything is just that, um, you, you some movies, they, they're marketed as like, this is the greatest thing of all time. You have to go watch it. And then sometimes that, that reality is just like, not the expectation doesn't really meet the reality. Yeah. And I think there does need to be a little bit more of a concerted effort. I think Irishman did an okay job of explaining like, this is a Martin Scorsese movie with old fucks in it like you're probably not going to be into it if you're not into it you know uh as opposed to as opposed to like you know you put up billboards of brad pitt like a few yeah. months after once upon a time comes out um so yeah i i uh yeah i don't know that's all i have to say about it i love it cool 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 uh so real quick i think i just want to mention a few uh honorable mentions that mm -hmm. i didn't put on my list but that i think were definitely worth watching i've a lot, but I'll try and keep it short as possible. And if you have some too, you can share them. So mm -hmm. definitely Avengers Endgame. I mean, Avengers Endgame was, sure. I don't think a perfect film, but the, the, I've never had a better in theater experience than the first time I watched Avengers Endgame ever mm -hmm. in the, in my entire life, being alive as a human watching movies Wow, cool. and from watching Jurassic Park when I was five to the dark Knight to, you know, the first Avengers, Avengers Endgame is the greatest experience of all time. Uh, cool. like when, <clears throat> The portals moment happened. Yeah, just like oh, I man. mean, I, I, it, it was almost like a religious experience. Yeah. Uh, it's the only way I could really describe it. And yeah, like yeah. my my whole thing, I could go into a whole long story about. I got super lucky. So like I, I, I was going in Oakland. So it was probably I my ticket showtime was probably like three o'clock or something. So I got there at like noon, right when they opened. I, and I talked to some guys like, hey, when did, when are people gonna start lining up? And I swear to God, this is what the guy said. He's like, lining up. People people aren't gonna line up. Just come whenever. I was like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you ser Are you sure? I, there's not going to be a line. Yeah, yeah, just come whenever. Okay. <laughs> so then I show up, and of course there's a line, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's Avengers Endgame the first day. Obviously. And then so I walk up to the guy, and I'm like, there's a line. He's like, oh, well, yeah, my bad. So you can just come on right in. So I was the first guy in the theater at my showing. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So I got to sit right in the middle. Holy shit. Uh, get the best seat in the house. I got a real I got a real shitty seat for that, yeah. for that movie the first time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw it on IMAX. It was cool. Uh it was a like it was a religious experience, let me tell you. Again, as someone who doesn't like read up and pay attention to any of the comic book extended universe stuff, uh at or just the universe stuff at all, like being there with the people who were and the people yeah. who were dressed up and not necessarily yeah. dressed up but like the, the the who like fucking lived and breathed this shit it was it was a really cool experience yeah i mean just all this stuff like like they they regard like there's a lot of stuff in that movie that kind of goes different directions yeah but when they come out of the portals when the whole mcu shows up and like yeah 
people are showing up and the fucking spider-man shows up and people are like going crazy yeah crazy when yeah. spider-man shows up and then everyone's there and then fucking Cash gets- you, you knew that was gonna happen like I, no shit yeah that, was, that gonna scene was always gonna happen but but it was I, still. you know the way they did it was so good mm-hmm. the way they did it they really like there's a lot of ways you can do it where they just they just show up right like they're fighting and then oh spider-man came down you know yeah, yeah, but like yeah, yeah. to have it that dramatic mm-hmm. that sort of showcasey that yeah. really comic booky like mm-hmm. that is a comic book kind of thing like you could yeah. see that in the panels like i can imagine the panels seeing like oh panel 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 like spider-man one of, uh, one fucking of one all of, these people yeah one of the people that i saw it with that was like a friend of a friend he after the movie he like went he went off he couldn't contain himself he went off he was just like yeah so that shot remember that shot when like these people fly in like that's from this issue number yeah. whatever here that's totally. from that that from that so like they totally did they totally paid it off yeah. oh it feels so there's so many moments like the funeral feels like a comic book panel just like put into yeah. a film true. totally true, true, totally true. like the way that they panned across all these different people yeah. um yeah so end game and there's a reason again why it became the highest grossing film of all time so yeah there's uh, a reason they put it back in theaters a second time so they can yes. keep that fucking yes. record yes. i will did. not let disney slide for that shit i'm ha- they've yeah. accomplished a lot with the mcu but they're still scum of the earth and they're oh yeah disney <laughs> disney's evil and they're trying yeah. to take over the world no, uh, but so, that, yeah. great movie my other so toy story 4 i really did like that movie actually um even though it is kind of a sort of tacked on but i again i just feel like they're such great filmmakers such great mm-hmm, storytellers mm-hmm. yeah you can't the story yeah. really worked um book smart was another one i don't know if you've seen that one i really liked it. I, it, it it was one of those movies when i was scrolling through the list i was like i fucking wish i would have seen that one yeah, yeah yeah that one's pretty good um uh what's your name directed it uh olivia, I forget her name. Wild? olivia wild olivia wild yeah. very good job and she's she's moving up she's gonna do more stuff directing wise her, her name is on my brain because she was in richard jewel <laughs> yeah 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 um so there's another another foreign film and then we danced so this is like a sort of it's about I, I forget where they're from but it's some kind of european country and they're they're dancers and it's, it's sort of like this this coming of age lgbt story it's really well done oh, cool um there's a movie waves that was another good sort oh, of indie movie yeah i've heard about that one yeah that one was good dolomite is my name that's that yep. was really good the gentleman Wait, dolomite came out last year dolomite came out last holy year holy shit yeah. dude yeah that was <laughs> that was another one from the netflix trove yeah. Um, Us was really good. That was Jordan Peele's second mm-hmm. directed film. Mm-hmm. I feel like the directing was better. The story was a little muddled, but I felt like the direction is improving. And he really, I felt like, sort of put his stamp in that film more yeah. more so than the yeah. first one. Yeah. Um, let me see what I... A Hidden Life. So this was a another uh, film from... What's his name? Uh, oh, I forget. It sounds so familiar. Just Hold on, let me look up. Really familiar. Let me look. I forget the the name of the director. Um, hold on, hold on. Terrence Malick. So this was a Terrence oh, Malick film. Got it. Yeah. So this was a Terrence. It's very long. It's like three hours long. Yeah. And it is a Terrence. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Terrence Malick film. But like once you start getting to the points that are good, it's good. Cool. It's it's really good. Um, let me see. Yeah, I really like Doctor Sleep. That was the sequel to The Shining. I thought that. Mm-hmm. He did really well with that. The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I finally saw that this year. That was a good film. I really like that film. Cool. Um, and again, like that's all like SF Bay Area stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's yeah, it's really cool. Like the guy who's the lead who wrote it too. Like he's a Bay Area guy. Like he still lives out here. Like he's that's sick. You know, yeah, that was um, another one that I, I regret that I missed it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I I, I ended up seeing it later. Uh, Little Little Women was good. That was the Greta Gerwig film. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Jojo Rabbit was really, really good. Really great script. Jojo Rabbit is my honorable mention as yeah. well. Yeah. And The Lighthouse was another mm-hmm. good one. Mm-hmm. Lighthouse was fucking weird. <laughs> I, again, I just, I wish, I wish I, I, I could have seen that in theaters or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Uncut Gems too. I, I didn't really like Uncut Gems. It just didn't do it for me. Ooh, that was so but, close to being yeah. my number 10. Yeah. I can understand how people would, would like it, um, for sure. I think it's a good film for what it is. But, like, I don't know, something kind of, you know. No, there it, are it, things. It's, it's supposed to irritate you, right? <laughs> yes. No, they are. Exactly. There are things that I hate about this movie. Like, hate, hate, hate. Capital H. Like, they just annoy the fuck out of me. But I think, I think that is the point. I think you did a good job. Yeah. And, again, it's got a little bit of that New York gangster. Hey, hey, Avi. Hey, put, put 20,000 on the Mets. Like, or whatever. The one, fuck. Of my favorite, one of my favorite moments is, like, he's walking. He sees this guy. And he's, like, he's, like, wearing some kind of like you know some more jewish stuff he's like oh hey so you're a jew today <laughs> yeah, yeah. That killed me. like like you know everyone's busting each other's balls and like you know exactly. they're all just yeah. like living on the edge totally yeah scummy right yeah yeah the the approach was like very unique and weird and that parts of it pissed me off but the story itself i really really connected with because i really like these degenerate characters i really yeah, fucking yeah. love them so yeah. degenerate like yeah. if, if <laughs> you know i was thinking like i was like if you show that to someone who's addicted to gambling will they get it or will they just be like yeah i'm gonna die like that Funny I, I, sto- I really wonder Funny story about that. I was talking about uh, last year with one of my coworkers at the audience company, and uh, we were talking about like, oh, have you seen Parasite? Have you seen this and that? And then I said, um, I told him, I was like, I just recently saw Uncut Gems, and I really, really fucking liked it. And he was like, oof. He's like, no, I can't. No, we. Can, I don't even want to talk about it. And I was like, that bad, huh? And he was like, no. Like, I, I used to have a problem with gambling. Yeah. Like, I, it ruined like one of my marriages. He's just like, yeah. Fucking, I walked out of that movie. I can't watch it. I can't. Watch, it's too real. I can't watch it. it it's yeah. just like physically affected me and i was just like whoa yeah it's real like something. that's, they hit that's something. the thing 100% they yeah. they got it like that type yeah. of, there are people like him that like neurotic just fucking oh yeah. yeah yeah brilliant film um i guess two others i would mention the farewell that was a good film i didn't really mm-hmm. like it but i thought it was very good very well directed very well written um and another one that i didn't like that got a lot of critical buzz was the sou- the, the souvenir um i don't know if you've heard of that film i have heard about it yeah, made Barack Obama's list of top ten films of the year. <laughs> <laughs> but it is very artsy. It is a very artsy uh, indie film about this. Like, she's like an artist in London or somewhere in the UK. Ah, a twenty four. I see a twenty four. She has this relationship with uh, this sort of older mentor, rich guy, and it's kind of it's not good for her. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't. I was in love with it, but critics love that movie. Hmm. And Barack Obama loves the movie, apparently. So it seems, yeah, it seems, uh, it seems kind of weird and up my alley. Um, I guess I have a couple honorable mentions. Uh, not really though. Like you've covered most of them, and we've covered most of them throughout the list. The ones that did make my list, we already talked about. Yeah, uh, Jojo Rabbit. I just want to give another shout out to that is just like again, when it comes to writing funny dialogue and just a, a well written movie, I really appreciate that. I think it's more well written than it is anything else, and it's directed really well too. Actually, Tyke uh, is Scar- amazing. Scar- Scarlett Johansson is just. What a what a blowout year it was for her, and she got absolutely nothing for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but re- really good stuff. Uh, I really liked Bombshell. I think it's like the story is not anything new. It's not anything. It's not told in a overly interesting way. It's not trying to do it. It's not like Vice, where like they had an approach and it got like super weird with it. Uh, but I think it's it's competent and it's very entertaining. And then you know it turns into very depressing. Um, so yeah, I like Bombshell. Uh, similarly, uh, there was a movie, The Assistant. Did that come out this year or last year? Ooh, I'm not sure. 
I liked sure. the I liked the assistant more because it's paired back. It's indie, but it's the same exact concept. It's about an assistant, a secretary, right, to a creeper, and he creeps on mm-hmm. him. And it's, uh, but it's, it's like it's more subdued. So I think those are the only ones I can think of off the top of my head. We covered everything else. Cool. All right. Well, two and a half hours of yeah. <laughs> 2019. Jesus. <laughs> it was good though. It was good. Two and a half hours yeah. to not be in 2020 is a good time. Yeah. 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 And I mean, there was there was a lot of great films in 2019. I'm telling yeah. you, it's yeah. one of the great years of film in the history of cinema um and there's a lot of these really great and different films the lighthouse is very different from like the irishman or 1917 or they're all very different but they give you you get a slice of whatever you want you can find it somewhere and if that if nothing else i'm just so happy that all of these movies got made in the first place. exactly exactly that's what i'm really happy about i don't have to like them i don't have to love them i don't you know whatever but like i'm just glad they're they exist Yeah, yeah 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 um all right so yeah that's our 2019 top 10 films thanks a lot for listening uh we'll be back again next week i think next week the devil all the time is coming out on netflix oh cool i want to yeah yeah i want to see that i haven't heard great things about it so far but doesn't doesn't matter to me i'm gonna watch it i got a feeling it's gonna be one of those um one of those netflix movies like uh like the highwaymen or that uh that uh zach efron movie they did about that serial killer it's just kind of like oh right, yeah, I did not like right, that. just right in the middle there, right middle mm-hmm. bottom shelf, but like a lot of good actors in it. So yeah, yeah. so yeah, you'll you'll see us review that probably, probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, thanks a lot. Um, take care. Have a great one. See you.